0: Hmm? Ah.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Peg. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the limited series on Netflix, Midnight Mass.
2: This week, we're covering the fifth episode titled Book 5, Gospel
1: these days i'll remember to update that (laughs) on the agenda um wow uh yeah
2: so what a what a fun fun hilarious episode this was this week right
1: guys
0: yeah
2: (laughs) i
1: you know we talked about the struggle of how in the world are we going (laughs) to podcast on last week's episode after what happened with riley um and him being attacked, you know, like I just felt like it's such a loss for words. And I should have just shut the hell up right. because this week is so much worse. Uh, I, I, I really feel I'm going to struggle through this one. I don't know if I'm yeah. going to have the right words. I don't know if I'm going to have very many words. I know our podcasts have been going nearly like two hours long. Um, and some of that is in, in due to some of the great feedback we've been getting from our listeners. Uh, but um, I know we've also been chatting at length. I don't know if I'm going to have, have all of that this week. I'm I'm just really I'm having a hard time processing. I watched it a week ago yeah. after you and I recorded immediately. Um, so I've had time to sit with it. But but I'm it's still, still struggling. A lot. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing after watching this? I mean, what are your what are your general thoughts and feelings? I mean, this this to me it sucked. I mean it was a good episode yeah. but it just
2: but yeah, it was just
1: seeing what happened.
2: It's tough cuz it's I mean the character of Riley is somebody that I've seen myself in in this series a lot. You know, I've really yes. connected with him and and it, you know, just a lot of the things that he's said and done has really spoken to me and then you know, for that to just be like, "Oh yeah, just he's gone. That's it. Done." Still got two episodes left and there's just no Riley. So where do we go? For the you know, with the rest of the series, who's kind of the main focus and and how do things end? Stuff go from there.
1: I know. And I don't. It,
2: it almost is kind of like a rug pulled out from under your feet moment and feeling, which I should have known something like this was going to have. It's episode five of a Flanagan show. We should have learned that that's how these things go. <laughs>
1: I know. Um, I just. I mean, we kind of talked about how this this might go and and how we had feelings about maybe riley not not being around for longer or, or what could potentially happen you know talking about his dream and and the boat yeah. i didn't think it was going to happen literally the next episode so i was not I like prepared you keep doing that
2: you keep nailing a prediction but then it happens <laughs> way faster than we I... thought it was going to and so like that ah.
1: <laughs> i didn't want to be right y'all um, you know, usually I'll, I'll kind of just, you know, I'll have this little moment, you know, as I'm watching something. I'm like, oh, I was right about something. Look at that. You know, which doesn't happen very often, uh, granted. But when it does, I'm always like, you know, puffing my chest a little bit like, all right, Rima, good job. I wasn't happy about being right in, in this at all. Uh, and I because I mean, it felt like a gut punch, like a serious gut oh, yeah. punch. So. I feel like we're gonna um start talking about too much of this and start going to our points, but I just felt like it was um the, the episode warranted just some some talk, I guess, about the impact. Yeah. Uh that it that it made on both of us. You know, this is definitely a show that I feel so invested in. And um this one's a hard one, so I I don't know I, I'm I'm going to struggle. But before we um, jump into our top five, I've been trying to re- remember, and I think last week I had it I had it in my notes. But I'm going to try and remember to do this at the top, even though we've only got two episodes left. Is to kind of just talk about the episode title um, that Mike Flanagan has chosen for uh, the episodes of Midnight Mass, and this one is uh, the fifth episode, book five, and it's called Gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone isn't aware, uh, the word gospel means good news, um, but it also often refers to the New Testament, which is made up of four gospels that chronicle um, the life of Jesus Christ and uh, his teachings all the way from his birth and right up until his death, which Christian faith states took place as a sacrifice for the cleansing of humankind's sins, which if you think about that. In a way, is how this episode also serves as, like, in quotes, a gospel, you Mm -hmm. know, of source as it follows Riley's birth or rebirth as a vampire. Um, It follows him in this episode until he chooses to sacrifice himself Mm -hmm. um, so as not to endanger or hurt people. And it's, I think, a contrast to Father Paul who sees Riley as one of his apostles, going out to spread the word like Jesus' own apostles did. Um, so, that I feel is kind of um, how that title relates to um, the actual books of the Bible and kind of what, yeah. what happens. And they've kind of stuck with that throughout. The different episode titles and the theme of what the book represents in the in the Bible kind of goes mm-hmm. along with the theme of the episode that we talk about, which is <laughs> – so, just brilliant. I love Mike Flanagan and yeah. how he, he ties all this together. So, just wanted to kind of mention that here at the top since we're getting ready to talk about this episode and what that, that means. And I know that we're going to talk more about, you know, how that ties into what happens in this episode and our thoughts about it. So, Because mm-hmm. that's um, uh,
2: coming from a more, like, evangelical viewpoint from where I was you know, raised and came from. I mean, mm-hmm. You think, yeah, because what the gospel is, but then what is the purpose of the gospel? Well, you take that good news, you take the story of Christ's birth to death and resurrection and sacrifice, and then you spread that good news in order to bring more people into the kingdom of God. That's the purpose of right. the gospel. So mm-hmm. the bastardized version of that, the twisted version that we get in this show, is Father Paul's just expectance that because Riley's been turned and he is now part of this god's plan or whatever which is just the vampire kind of thing that now okay now you go forth and you take this good news this good gift that god has given you and you feel those urges of who you know you're being led to uh commune with and then you spread what that is and we start it's kind of the beginning of that plan of now we start to spread this gospel of the angel among the, the people here in the town
1: yeah Oof. Well, let's talk about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> wh- uh, what is your number five, Paik?
2: All right, and I have some really like kind of small, quick points to for most of them, but
1: my, uh, my, I feel like mine are going to be small and quick too. I just I'm 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 yeah. having trouble ex- being expressive with this. I have I feel like I have thoughts and feelings. I'm having trouble expressing them, so yeah. that's okay. I think we're going to be on <laughs> the same page, so that's totally fine. Uh, let's hear
2: it. All right, so my number five, uh, typical, I haven't even been doing it on purpose all the time, but starting with kind of more of the religious aspect, mm-hmm. uh, is just the sermon itself, the first official Midnight Mass.
1: Yes. Uh, with these
2: nighttime, I don't know if it's right at midnight, it might just be like after dark for it at, at first. But, right. But they begin, and the weekend leading up to, because this first one that we see, it's the Good Friday Mass, which you know, leading up to Easter Midnight Mass. That's actually a really convenient time and a valid reason to start doing this. Like, it isn't usually done, but it, at least the people living here, are like, oh, he's wanting to go ahead and just start doing the nighttime Masses a couple of days early, like, to lead up to it. Okay, that doesn't, it's not done that much, but I guess it makes sense. Right. Um. So he's got a little bit of a cover there. But then the sermon itself, which, again, just, <laughs> Hamish later, just, delivers impeccably and it's incredible to see what he does even though
1: he's so great
2: in previous episodes we've said like oh and the the stuff he puts behind it almost makes you want to reconvert you know uh (laughs) but then with this one no you feel and the the music definitely has a part to play in it but you feel the dark undertones in this one you feel how ominous the words coming out of his mouth are this time
1: it's a different kind of sermon, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Did you feel that? Yeah, different vibe. Absolutely.
2: Where he's talking about you know, doing the things that, that you feel that you shouldn't do, or whatever. You know, that this, like, sometimes you know, we have to fight and do things that we don't want to do, and he talks about this army of God, and fighting a war for his kingdom, which I've heard that a million times. That's not too out of the realm of a typical Christian sermon, especially in a Protestant setting. I know Catholic is a little bit more regimented on, like, no matter what you go to, you're going to hear the same Mass because it's all kind of scheduled out. But with yep. Protestants who all just kind of do their own thing willy-nilly, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I and growing up in the South and evangelical stuff, I've heard the whole you know army of God, a soldier of God, fighting a war against the evil forces, and, you know, those things are typical. I've heard them a million times. But where it kind of crosses into darkness a little bit more is the lines where he starts saying things like, there will be casualties and you can see people's faces kind of change or, yeah, you know, look like, like Han? hang on what are you talking about? You know, God will ask horrible things of you. Horrible! And he's just like, okay, now it's starting to get a little more troubling. Uh, yes. where is he going with this? And and a lot of people seem to kind of, like flinch just a little, but then like, you know what, no, no, we're behind him, we're, we're we'll see where he's going with this, and I believe in him the one person that it doesn't really work for is Millie Gunning, Mm
0: -hmm. strangely
2: enough, where uh, she's (laughs) bothered by it and stays bothered by it. But, uh, But the sermon itself definitely has a darker vibe to it than I think any of the ones that we've heard before. And he's taking this approach with these sermons because I think it's just the only way... He's able to excuse and justify his like animalistic urges and tendencies. And he just, he's explaining it as something as God. Because if he doesn't do that, then what else does he have to lean to? Because what he is, what he's become, has taken him over completely. So he has to believe what he's saying. And so he does.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. This was... You know, I I talked before. Gosh, what was it? The second episode, maybe. Uh, my memory is really terrible. But one of those first uh, sermons that we heard um, from Father Paul, man, I was I was just like I remember just being completely captivated and enthralled, and I felt completely hypnotized um, by his performance and you know his charisma that just really came across just. Across a, a darn TV screen, this wasn't even like an in person, you know, like he's standing in front of me. But I felt like I was there. That's how powerful it was. Um, and I've I've loved listening to her, his sermons. I, you know, as an actor, but also just on the show. And this had a very different tone to it. You're right. It was. It had a lot of dark undertones. It was very different than some of his others. He's talking about how, like you said, God will ask everyone to do these horrible things, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be like from the bad will come the good. And he references that when he's talking about like Good Friday, because this is the Good Friday sermon. And uh, Jesus was crucified on Good Friday and that was bad, but it came, it it, it led to something good, which Mm -hmm. was Jesus's resurrection. And that is what I think that he's referencing here is that, you know, he knows that there's going to be some bad things coming by what he's going to be asking them to do. There might be some, some casualties. People are going, he doesn't say this, but what I think he's alluding to is people are going to die, but that's going to be a part of it. We are at war. There's going to be horrible things, but through the horrible things are going to come the good.
2: Yeah, I think. And
1: it's like, wow, okay. They're sucking <laughs> he's <definitely, it> up. <laughs>
2: yeah, he's definitely speaking about things that, apply exactly to what he's been doing right now. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of the people in the congregation, it's just like, oh, it's metaphors. But then there are certain people there that, like Bev, or they know, Sturge. Or the mayor, or Sturge, mm-hmm. where he's kind of speaking directly to them as like, things bad things have happened, and they immediately know he's talking about killing Joe, and he's like, but the good will come of it. Like, yep. There's layers to that, depending on who's listening to him, or even himself, I think he's trying to back himself up with helping him believe certain things but he's he's preaching on different levels to different people.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, and like you said, the one person who doesn't seem to really be going for it is Millie, which I thought was kind of interesting because, you know, she is at least what what we know of her is she's extremely devout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, I not too much was alluded to in this particular episode, but we've talked about in other episodes at least my opinion is Father Paul or the Monsignor, and I want to go back and forth when I call him yeah. um is Sarah's father. I firmly believe that, and so we you know I feel uh the Monsignor and Millie have had this very extremely close relationship from all the years that they've known each other a very intimate um and strong relationship and for her to just all of a sudden that is this is not my church and that is not the man i know that was that that line did kind of lead yeah. me to uh, I'll, I'll take that back that line did kind of lead me again give me another clue of their special relationship and maybe hidden relationship was when she says that's not the man i know that's kind of yeah. a i feel like a more familiar thing instead of referring to him as like a priest or the, the priest that i know or something she said the man that i know um but yeah. anyway i thought that was interesting So i was like wow for someone who's completely dedicated to her faith to the monsignor father paul um but she saw through through it and said there's something wrong here so i thought that was pretty yeah. interesting so i like that it's good number five Um, Well, my number five, uh, I wanted to just, um, because I'm going to delay talking about it as long as I
0: can. Yeah,
2: um, without saying what they are, but people know what they are. The two biggest parts of this episode are my two-in-one, so, thought, like, I've kind of done the same thing, where it's like, I'll just wait.
1: I thought I'll, I'd save all my tears for the end, because I'm, yeah. I'm I'm literally on the verge of tears right now just talking about everything else and just, like, having all of this in, in the top of my head, and I just watched it again for the second time, and this is all kind of fresh for me, so I'm going to say hopefully save all that to the end. There's going to be some tears, I think. Um, well, my number five, I wanted to talk about how now pieces... Uh, are are starting to kind of maybe not starting to come together maybe that's the wrong term but you know we bowl is missing we haven't really talked about him yet he's kind Mm -hmm. of been forgotten about you know we know or we can pretty well guess what happened to him Um, but he's missing Uh, nobody i'm guessing has been found because he's considered missing and his mom is there with sheriff hassan um you know, pleading for someone to, like, give a shit that her her son is missing. And, you know, Sheriff Hassan, and I love him, and it doesn't mean anything bad with him, but he knows, he's like, he was a drug dealer. Something, you know, if if you mix in that crowd, you're likely Mm -hmm. to be done in by someone you're doing dealings with. So he's thinking, you know, hey, he's probably, something bad has happened to him, maybe, you know, because of, His um, dealing drugs and such. Um, But she's telling him, like, he's not a bad person. He's not just like your typical, like, drug dealer, like, out to. Hurt people. He's doing it to put food on the table. You know they're in a bad way and they need money, and he's doing it to support his family. Um, And you know she makes a really good point when she talks about you know for a town that claims to be so pious, uh, they don't seem to care about her missing son. You know nobody's you know worried about it. Nobody's helping to look for him, and no one seems to care. Um, so I you know that's one. thing that's kind of come out of all of this and where it's going to start triggering people. And I think especially Sheriff Hassan, cause like he's smart and he, he can put things together, I think pretty quickly. Um, so in the search and, you know, going to talk to Joe to ask questions, he learns like Joe seems to be missing. Like, where's Joe at? Um, and then uh, Aaron comes later and says, Hey, you know it hasn't quite been 24 48 hours yet but Riley's missing uh you know something kind of strange is going on and there's only like what like 100 people on this island right uh so where where can everyone possibly go and if you know that they haven't been on the ferry to leave uh, to go to the mainland then h- how far can people get right how many places can you hide yeah. without someone running into you somewhere or being seen and it's interesting that two of the people that happened to be missing were a part of uh, Father Paul's, um, I'm going to call them <laughs> Vampires Anonymous, um, you know, before, before they went missing. So starting to, you know, kind of sense this pattern, I think Sheriff Hassan Hassan is kind of picking up on on these. So I, I, I liked that conversation with um, Bull's mom or Billy. I guess his name was Billy. We knew him as mm-hmm. Bull. Um, but I don't... It was yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's good. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm interested to see you know no now that Sheriff Hassan is starting to kind of question like, hey, this is kind of weird. I have so many people going missing in such a short amount of time? This is not a large place. Not a lot of places they could be, um, and what that's going to lead to in the next episode. I feel like it's yeah. really getting ready to hit the fan. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thought I'd mention that. So, um, what is your number four?
2: All right, my next couple of points, four and three, are like stuff that we've already kind of talked about. But again, mm-hmm. just jump on this a little. So again, number four, Millie Gunning, kind of tied into that other one. Yeah. Just to talk about um, a few little notes I had on her. She's definitely looking way, way younger. Yes. Like this. The effects are really setting in, where it's not just like, oh, you, she's up and out of bed and looking healthier, but people are generally like genuinely shocked and taken back, like, oh my god, that's that's Mildred Gunning, like she's not only is she up and walking, but like she looks different. She is DH. She's younger to where people only can jump to, like, wow, what an amazing miracle time that we're living in. Like it's not she looks better, but like definitely something. Is happening here something Mm -hmm. miraculous, and then I love when they they go into the church for the sermon. And I'm picking up these vibes from Millie that she doesn't care for Bevkeen like anyone, Um, (laughs) pretty much like everybody else in this town. But it was just like that little thing because she goes in for like, oh my god, you know that like whole fake like, oh it's so good to see you, and she's got that little fake like, barely tapping her on the back thing during the hug where Mm -hmm. it's like okay. We're, we're doing this for show, but get off me now. Like, yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> and Millie's been there for a while, so I'm sure she knows plenty. And she doesn't trust Bev, but yeah, it's, it's fun. And then with her sitting through the sermon, I mentioned that a little bit earlier. And when those kind of dark things really start happening, she's the one that instead of falling for it, like a lot of people are, she shuts it off. And then whenever she's done, she's telling Sarah, you do not go back in there. This is not my church. That's not the man I knew. Like we're done with this, and it'll be interesting to see where that goes, and her connection with Father Paul slash Mom Senior Pruitt slash whatever he is now.
1: I think she's going to be kind of key, yeah. um, to whatever happens next. I mean, I feel like the uh, several people are probably going to be key to what happens. Which I don't know what happens next, but I feel like whatever you know, like I said, Sheriff Hassan, you know, starting to you know sense something. Strange is going on, um, you know, Aaron, um, I, you know, I'm thinking now, Millie, Sarah, you know, are going to be some key people because they're the ones kind of on the outside of things, um, you know, so I, I feel like they're going to be key in what happens next. Um, yeah. Millie was also my number four as well, and it was mostly surrounding how she looks now. I mean, it's quite quite a turnaround from when we we first met her and the the state that she was in she was uh you know in like full dementia she didn't really seem to have any um moments at all of clarity um where she was aware and she wasn't able to get around the stairs she had to stay in bed a lot um and now she is you know upstairs and, and able to go on the stairs, she's went and got some clothes out of a uh, out of the trunk. You know, it sounds like she's been, in, you know, just dressing gowns for, for quite a long time. She looks like 30 years younger. Yeah. You know, she's almost getting to the point where she has fewer wrinkles than her daughter, Sarah. You yeah. know, that's got to be a little strange. And her daughter, you know, I, I think her daughter's still kind of like, what the hell is going on? And, you know, and you could but you could see in the last episode, you know, she's kind of still challenging her memory a little bit, you know, Um, but now she looks at her and she's like, Oh, my God, you know, she, she looks so much younger and her daughter, you know, Sarah, she just looks, she's kind of horrified, and completely confused, like something is not right. I mean, it's, that would be hard, I think. I mean, I think that you would be kind of happy, you know, to like, kind of have your mom back, because I mean, like dementia, Alzheimer's, those are like such terrible diseases that take Mm -hmm. people away you know and it's it's a hard hard thing to see someone you love go through something like that it's it's hard on the family it's hard on the person going you know actually experiencing it um so i mean i I feel like it would be um you know a a wonderful happy thing to kind of have her mom back right and be able to talk to her mom have conversations with her mom kind of have her mom back to her um instead of like the shell that she um was left with previously but at the same time that's not natural there's got you know you don't just dementia doesn't just get reversed you don't just start your, your going back to your natural color hair and your gray hair disappearing your wrinkles you know don't start just dis- disappearing cuz by god if they did i would find that freaking cure you know right. and like take these things away <laughs> <laughs> get me some vampire blood and that's where i'm at take me back to my best self um so but but she's you know in in one way probably kind of happy and excited but at the same time very confused knowing that this isn't natural something very strange is going on here and sarah's a doctor she's scientific right she knows that there's You know, she can't explain what's going on. I'm sure that's where she's really struggling with that. Um, Whereas the rest of the town is just happy to, you know, they're, I think, shocked. It was really interesting to see when she finally did come out of the house and, um, you know, they're uh, being kind of alerted that there isn't going to be the morning mass. It's now going to be, I don't know, like you said, quite a midnight mass, but it's going to be in the evening. Um, and the town is just like, wow. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, look at a couple of folks in town who are starting to, oh, look, they don't need their glasses anymore. Oh, look, their hair is getting a little bit darker. I um, mean, you can kind of tell, even the mayor in this episode, I thought looked a lot younger um, than he had in some some episodes. Um, it's It's one thing to kind of look at that and just be like, Oh well, you know that's interesting. There's some interesting things going on here. But then to look at someone like Millie, who was so, um, you know, the age that she was, the the her state of mind, her broken hip, and to see her up and walking around. I mean, you you just cannot deny things like that. Staring right in your face is something is is going on um, in this town. Um, yeah. And everyone wants to just say it's miracles and has something to do with father paul they don't quite know what to what that means yet um but they seem okay with it they're just like thinking of it as a blessing that something finally good is happening to that town but um it's it's quite striking uh the 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 difference in millie anyway yeah so yeah should be interesting uh to see Her next interaction, I should say with father Paul um, what's your number three?
2: So my number three uh, again, something that you talked about was kind of big, like a part of one of your earlier points but then like it's gonna be one of those things that's gonna tie into what's coming next mm-hmm. but just the the missing persons and how this keeps stacking up mm-hmm. like you, know, you talked about that uh, I mean the very episode opening of this episode. Even though his family hasn't really considered him missing at this point, he's been gone two nights, you know, to them. It's like, oh, he's you know, even Warren's like, well, he's just been hanging out with Miss Green, you know. uh, But like for us, knowing how the last episode ended and we're not sure, at least on our first watch of this episode, what the status of Riley is. What's going on? Is he okay? What's happening? And so for just to open with the music of, you know, as his family's kind of talking and doing their little routine and it's focusing on all these photos of young Riley and just all the stuff to where you're like, are we just getting a memorial right now? Like, what's
1: going on? I know. What the hell? That was maddening to start mm-hmm. this episode with where we left the last one, um, you know, with him on the floor being attacked and then opening this episode. And we're just like, what the fuck happened to him already? You know, <laughs> no, just tell me. Get me there. <laughs> yes.
2: And, and yeah, so the, we start with that. But then, yes, Hassan, I feel like is going to be a huge part of these last two episodes and kind of what's to come. Because you have to think, like, this has to get become worrisome. Like, there's got to be something that's sp- sparked in him now, where there's something not right here. So we saw, you know, Bowl, sorry, Bill's <laughs> uh, mom is on the island talking to him, like we mentioned, and, you know, and, uh, you know, I was wondering kind of why that hasn't been mentioned. Actually, our friend, uh, Franca, asked me about that recently. <laughs> she was like, yeah. what about that drug dealer kid? So this is for you. If you watch this episode now, you've seen it. We got it all. Yes. Uh, Hi,
0: Franca. Hey.
2: But yeah, but you got to get like three missing persons reports or concerns like back to back to back because first Bill's mom is in and then she leads him to be like, "Well, will talk to Joe Collie again. And so he's like, okay, but Joe's not there. Now he's calling the mainland and trying to get a hold of him and nobody's seen Joe. So now for him, Joe is missing. He knows, okay, this is off because Joe never leaves. And then while he's still on the phone trying to address where's Joe, that's when Aaron walks in and to tell him that Riley's gone. And so all these things are happening just right back to back. And so I think that that's got to trigger him really wanting to be, because he does. He says, once I start shaking trees and I will like, he's like, you know, like if you put me on this path, I promise you, even if it sounds stupid or silly, I'll get you an answer. We're going to do it. We're going to figure this out. Right. And I think at that point it's because this is the third one in like an hour. So obviously something is going on.
1: Yeah. Well, and the last time that he, (coughs) he saw Joe was uh, in the store standing in front of the beer Uh, being, like, Mm -hmm. super tempted to, you know, cave in and buy it, and and he didn't. And, you know, Joe was kind of in a moment of, you know, struggle, you know, and that was the last time, at least that we saw, anyway, that Sheriff Hassan had seen him. So, you know, you feel that might add to a little bit of the concern, like, man, last time I saw Joe, he wasn't looking too good, you know, and now he's missing.
2: Yeah, and he picks up on Aaron's and says, and then he was at AA with Joe. I was like, wait, Joe was there too? Mm-hmm. Because right now he's worrying about, you know, where Joe is. And so I think it's going to lead to a connection. It was like, with well, the last person to see both of them, or at least, you know, sort of in that area was was Father Paul. At least he saw them on that day, and there was some kind of connection. I mean, I know, you know, he went to Aaron, Riley went to Aaron's, and then his family's for dinner and stuff. And then were was supposed to head back to Aaron's, but... Yeah, it's <laughs> interesting... And then it leads us to a pretty heavy scene with Aaron and Sheriff Hassan talking about what could have happened. Mm-hmm. Because through their discussion of the last conversation that Aaron and Riley had, they start leaning toward this idea and possibility that Riley could have killed himself. And it just, it leads into a pretty heavy kind of discussion that I know like, could be hard for some people while watching that. And... And especially on a rewatch, you know, going to the episode multiple times and being like, well, that wasn't the case in that instance. And where Riley was at, I don't think that would have been his mindset or something he was at. But it becomes quite an unsettling foreshadowing of where he ends up at the end of this episode and the decision he does find himself making. So I was like, man.
1: Yeah, that after I watched the episode and saw the ending, I thought about that. Um, as Aaron was talking uh to Sheriff Hassan. Uh and was kind of referencing what they were talking about and the yeah. possibility. And it was like, Fuck. <laughs> um, so much foreshadowing. Yeah. Um Yeah, that was really interesting thoughts. Um, well my number three, um I'm I'm probably going to jump into it just a little bit earlier than what you are, um, but I have another point in between that's I'm hoping to be a little bit of a buffer. So I, can <laughs> um, I, I want to talk about in my number three, once we do see Riley um, mm-hmm. and what happens when he comes back, uh, we see Father Paul bringing him back to life. Um, there's There's quite a long... Process from the time that Riley come like comes back and wakes up um, till the time that he leaves, so Father Paul is telling Riley, death isn't part of God's plan anymore, and you can argue, I think that father paul he's now playing God himself. Do you think you know he's choosing who lives and who dies Joe bowl in a sense i guess and you know um and father paul says some really interesting things during this time with riley um you know saying you know because i think father paul believes riley came to him that night And I'm going to say last night, because this it seems like a lot happens here and a lot does, but it all just, it it, it happens like the the previous night. So, Father Paul thinks he came to him last night, um, that moment that the angel was there, because Riley had some type of calling, right? That he was compelled to come there and he has this calling. But Riley's like, no, man, I came here to confront you about Joe's sister, and he's like yeah. oh okay um well hey sorry about that um and then he goes on to explain that Joe had to die cuz he was just too far gone he says he was called home which mm-hmm. i'm like dude you you murdered him <laughs> you know he this he was not called home it was not his time to go you made that decision you know you were playing god here and he goes on to explain to to Riley like the urge to to drink the blood that they now share, you know, they share this blood now that it's god moving through them. And he even finds a bible passage that explains why it's okay if he kills. And he's right. you know, he's doing god's will. He's a soldier of the lord. You know, and he thinks that he and Riley are the same since they both killed before. Hey, you killed someone too. And I thought that was like a gut punch. I was like, my God, it really was that, you know, Riley has such extreme guilt, um, and remorse over what, what he did when he killed that young girl in that drunk driving accident, that that is in no way, uh, in comparison to what father Paul did. Um, and you know, he tells him, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't feel guilt over that. That was, you know, God moved me to do that. Um, it was an act of God, just like the accident was. And Riley's like, no, that was not an act of God. This was, that was a tragedy. Um, and he tells him he doesn't feel guilt for, for killing Joe. And, you know, Riley does admit a little to his ability to, to Father Paul being able to move forward, um, you know, at least. And, and I'm sure— because Riley does seem stuck, you know he tells Aaron before you know, like he feels stuck he can't he can't move on he and mm-hmm. feels like he doesn't have a purpose and um so he does feel quite stuck, and he can't move beyond what he's done um so uh, you know that makes sense um and but Father Paul thinks that this accident was for a purpose he thinks that this, this is what was meant to happen to bring Riley back to the island to be resurrected, and to then be rid of his guilt. Um, And he thinks, you know, that God has chosen Riley, you know, and that's why, you know, the angel chose him. You know, this, like, this is all happening for a reason. He keeps finding, you know, things in the Bible that kind of just justify what's happening here. And, you know, Bev does, like, the same thing. You know, oh, yeah. and, and totally just justifies everything and finds a Bible passage to just justify and make everything, you know, like, it's okay. And he even goes so far as to tell Riley that it's a gift mm-hmm. and God will tell you who to share it with. Um, I think amazing scenes between the two. Uh, I was interested in Riley's response to Father Paul I feel like, he, you know, I, I'm like, I, gosh, I don't know. What would I do? I, I feel like I'd want to, like, punch him in the face, you know, or something. Right. Like, I would be full of rage and anger and just, like, p- want to punch them in the face. But Riley just sits, and he's, for the most part, calm. He does, at, at one point, kind of get up and kind of rage a little bit. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, for the most part, he's pretty calm. And after I thought about it, I thought, well, that, I guess, kind of does make sense. I mean, he's, I think, scared out of his mind,
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Like, what happened to me? Um, This thing attacked me. Father Paul is involved somehow. He's spouting off all of this bullshit, which Riley sees all the way through. He doesn't buy any of it at all. But I think he's scared. Like, if I don't go along with what he's telling me, I could be next. Like, he knows he murdered Joe. And mm-hmm. and so if he fights, if he disagrees or doesn't go along with it, then I feel like he would feel threatened. So I think his response did kind of make sense to me that he was more calm throughout most of it. Anyway, um, like I said, I, I do know that he got up and you know did get angry, had had a moment. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to get your thoughts. What did you think of that that scene between them after after Riley woke up yeah. and the things that that were being said.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'll go ahead and kind of switch some stuff around because that was actually my number one. Oh. So okay. I'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, it's just the meeting, and it takes up. You know, I was, was weird. Was like, so my number one point, like I have a point that's basically the bulk of the episode. Mm-hmm. But uh,
1: yeah, there was a lot of that. That was the bulk of the episode for sure. <laughs> the meeting, like you said.
2: Yeah, but yeah. So just kind of going through, I just think, yeah, there's a lot to take in, and I, I agree with you that Riley definitely had to have just been horrified and confused and scared and worried and all of these things, but it's all just on him at once to where really all he could do was just sit and absorb all of it and then figure out where to go from there. But yeah, I mean, it starts with him waking up to Paul, like telling him, oh, it's going to be okay. It's okay. You know, death is not a part of the plan. And he's like realigning his neck and his eyes are glowing over him. And it's just,
1: Starts terrified to where
2: yeah, he passes out, and then when he wakes back up and sees Paul, he immediately like ducks to the door because he's scared of the man now, which, yeah, makes sense. But then Father Paul decides to explain to the best of his ability everything that's going on, what Riley is now, and he does it in the style of an AA meeting, starting with Serenity, which he's like, are you fucking kidding? Right. <laughs> like, really? We're, is that what we're going to do? Which I do have to give... Some props, Father Paul is incredibly impressive in his ability to speak and teach. I mean, that's why he's, you mm-hmm. know, a, a priest is he's got this set up. His approach with Riley is it's all based on serenity and breaking it into parts throughout this whole scene. We get in those segments, they start with the things that we can't change. And then after they've kind of covered those bases and Riley's good with that, they move on to the next part of courage with what we can change. And then once they get through all that stuff, then that final part is now here comes the wisdom to what we do with either. And he set this whole meeting up based off of this serenity prayer. Yes. Like he's planned a crash course for Riley and then he delivers it so well. He does. Uh, But it's, it's great. And then also Guilford, I have to give a lot of prop to, Zach Guilford in a lot of these oh my uh, gosh. moments. He's the so one wonderful. that really stands out to me the most, I like the little subtleties and the things. I didn't catch it the first time. But it's a lot of, on rewatches, that's I do like watching again, is because then you know something's coming and you can see a character's reaction. And it's when Paul is telling the story of the young altar boy who brought him the mouse in the shoebox. And Riley is still confused and he's just kind of like glancing around the room mm-hmm. and you see him looking up in the corners and looking at the walls. Not really- Che- he's and he's, checked yeah, out, yeah. he's just discombobulated, like mm-hmm. he has no idea what's going on. But the second that Paul says, and then he brings me this shoebox, Zach Guilford, as Riley, just freezes completely, just stops moving and then slowly turns his head to face Paul. And then he is hanging on every word at that point. And it was incredible acting work, because that's the moment where he goes, oh, fuck, he's talking about me when I was nine or ten. Exactly. And that's where he's just like, what is happening? Like, who are you?
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: And just so knowing that was coming, so catching his action in that, like, reaction in that moment, I was like, that was incredible, because it's so subtle that you're going to miss it most of the time, I feel like, if you're not looking for it. so subtle. Since I knew it was coming, I was like, how does that Guilford play this? And to see him pause, and then slowly turn and stare at him in awe, I was like, wow great choice yes uh, <laughs> and then i love how this they don't the show doesn't hold your hand through a lot of those kind of things because they easily could have been like and riley you were that boy or he could be like you know but that was me with this they don't do that like no riley so though most we get for it is riley going like how do you know that story and then they move on and so you put those pieces together i like that the show leaves it to you to figure out oh <laughs>
1: Oh, so, it's it's done it's so well. I love that line when he's like, you know, who who are you? And he goes, "Come on, you know who yeah. I am." Just that, just mm-hmm. the way that he delivered, Hamish Linklater, yes. delivered that line. Oh, I love that man. Um, just absolutely yeah. brilliant between those two.
2: So good, and and Paul's. I was like, is he really going to compare himself to Jesus at this moment? Because that's where he goes, where he's like, he, you know, we're past that. He goes, yeah. Do you, should I show you the holes in my hands and let you feel the hole, you know, the, in my side? Mm-hmm. Just taking this directly from from Jesus. Yes, it's like, ah, your sacrifice wasn't exactly the same, buddy. Uh,
1: I know comparing, you know, <laughs> you know Jesus's crucifixion because Jesus's wounds, um, which they compare, you know, when when they when um, people claim and like saints and things like that claim to go through the stigmata of, yeah. of Jesus' wounds, and that's the uh, the nails through the hands. Um, he was slashed in his side with, like, a spear. He has the holes in his feet from the nails where they nailed his feet, um, and then the uh, crown of thorns on his yeah. head. Um, so, yeah, when he's talking about, you know, yeah, you want to see the, you know, holes in my hands, fill my side, you know, as comparing yeah. himself to the, you know, when Jesus approached his apostles. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, pretty pretty and then, you know,
2: bold. Very. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes into the bit with Joe Colley from there, to which, you know, Riley freaks out on him a little bit. Maybe not enough. I'm surprised, like you said, that Riley does control himself even more at that point. Because he does. He goes, you killed him. You fucking killed him. Yeah. You and that thing. What the fuck was that thing? Like, you know, he's going off... I was glad to see that,
1: that range, that, that, the, the, the the rage and the, the confusion and realizing what he did to Joe, but then kind of coming back down a little bit and being like, Oh, he had something to do with like, like something happened to Joe and he had something to do with it. He had the, you know, the wherewithal to bring himself back down and be like, I don't want to be, I don't want that to be me. Yeah.
2: Don't want to get on the bad side of that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's Paul brings him back down and then having Bev come in and stand in front of Riley to kind of show him his urges and hunger and his terrifying stuff. And you see Bev at first kind of falter there because she's... But her trust of the Monsignor comes out in the end and she does as she's asked. But she's are you sure? sure? He's like, oh no, I got him. What do you mean you got me? Like, you know, it was this really tense moment, but... You get that, like, and then the eyes, Riley's eyes, when they just, like, glaze over and they're glowing and you just see him become something different. And it yes. freaks him out, too, after...
1: He's very uncomfortable yeah. with that whole thing.
2: There's a it's there's a lot uh, to take in. And so it just keeps building on him. So you can see kind of where it goes. And that's going to be, like, a big point we'll talk about after this. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's through a lot of this deciding, like, this is not the life I'm going to live. This is not who I'm going to be. That's not worth it. Because he's not buying the bullshit, like you said. He's not going along. He's he's listening and he's keeping quiet, but this is not who he is and he's not going to go along with it. Yeah. And especially because he's seeing, like you said, they're pulling these things from the Bible, because uh, Paul pulled Hebrews 9.14. Now, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences... Consciousness, or whatever, consciences, that is the word. <laughs> I'm trying to read, yeah, from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. And then Paul asking him, so how does that make you feel that I felt no guilt killing Joe? Just disgusted. How did that make you feel? Angry. How did that make you feel? Fucking angry. No, how did that make you feel? Do not lie to me, Riley Flyn, I am. <laughs> and just. He's looking, he's manipulating, Riley, in that moment. Yes. He's looking for a very spe- he's wanting to pull a very specific answer out of him. And that's when he gets jealous. He says, "Okay, I can build off of that." Cuz you know the, the guilt that you're you're holding on to. Now we get to move into the second part of my PowerPoint presentation for you. Courage to let it go. Yeah. You know, and Riley does, you know, have the courage to let it go, but not in the way that uh, Paul thinks that he will.
1: Right. He's not following he, he,
2: his path. Yeah. yeah, he goes out in his own way, not this bullshit. And I do love that. I appreciate that. Oh,
0: my God. But then Bev yeah. does
2: the same thing with the Bible verses. Is coming in. Well, this is in the Bible. You know, when it says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. <sighs> it' Not mincing words here. It's very specific. It's like, oh, then what about the burns when I walked outside from the sun? That's not in the gospel. No. It's in Revelation where it says, and then it, you know, being the sun, was allowed to scorch men with fires. She's just able to pull these things and justify everything.
1: Yeah, and- <laughs> just totally go along and justify everything that she has seen and still think that all of it is an act of God and it is God's yeah. will and and mm-hmm. the bullshit. She's got a she's pretty damn bold to be acting so righteous and condescending to Riley, who was just attacked by this creature and mm-hmm. died and is now in turn to something else. I mean, wow. You know, and to, to like preach to him, it's like, wow, back the hell off is <laughs> just like what I right. wanna tell her. Like so, Yeah.
2: So then it's like, cause then like the last part of this point, like all these notes for me is the stuff revolving around Bev, which then ties into another thing is what, Is going to be a big thing going forward, and I honestly think Bev is going to play a very major role in these last two episodes. Yeah, because of who she is and how she is. Because I feel like Father Paul doesn't really like her either. He's kind of annoyed with her, uh, but she's getting his shit done, so he rolls with it. Yeah, because he knows he has complete power over her when when push comes to shove. So this is a pawn, you know, and what he's doing. But you can tell because you will not mock the will of God, Riley Flynn and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, she goes, I'm frustrated. And father Paul just goes, I know like you can see in his eyes, like you're always frustrated about something. God, like, you know, what is it this time, Bev? But
1: yes, he's known her, I'm sure all her life too. And yeah. he's just like, ugh, you know,
2: so it's kind of a great moment when she's like, I thought we decided that we were going to keep him here in the rec center. And what did it. And then he just ignores her completely. I love when she's just going on at him. And he ignores her completely, and he's still just talking to Riley. And I was like, okay, I, I took a little bit of petty joy in that. Just being like, yeah, shut up, Bev. Sit down. Nobody cares what you have to say anymore. <laughs>
1: yes. Sit down and be quiet. But,
2: but that's why I wonder what role she's going to play in these last two episodes. Is it going to be her, you know, over-the-top kind of self? Is it going to become too much for Father Paul?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Or is it going to be the other way where Father Paul becomes too much for her because... She's got to be torn where, you know, she's following and doing God's will, but she's not the person who's calling the shots anymore.
1: She, I think, is not really, I mean, she didn't hide it very well that she, you know, is not really thrilled that Riley seems to be in a position that she wants to be in. That Riley, uh, at least what Father Paul believes, is is the chosen one. She thinks she should be the chosen one. She is just Mm -hmm. completely consumed with the power that she's had and that the, you know, that she, the power that she thinks that she has um, because of uh, her position in the community and the position she's held um, through the church um, and, you know, kind of being in charge and kind of calling the shots. And, you know, she believes that that has given her, um, you know, a certain power and she is power hungry and she is not thrilled that, you know, Riley is, is receiving this and not her, and she's going along with it because I think she thinks that she's definitely going to get something out of it. Um, and it's going to, you know, give her an even bigger position. And I think she's biding her time. Um, you know, it was interesting because we were talking about, uh, you know, you know talking about like addiction in this series uh, and, you know, Riley's addiction to alcohol to then having like this compulsion and addiction to want to let me like drink blood and that parallel you know i was talking with jason over the weekend about this episode you know we were all had the the meetup and um kind of talking about this episode and you know kind of getting his thoughts on it and he had a interesting point i think he mentioned something about and i know I'm, i might totally butcher this so i apologize and i'm paraphrasing um but like how bev you know in that same mindset is addicted to the power um mm-hmm. that she has uh, of being righteous her righteous yeah. her righteousness is like her addiction um through religion um and the power that that gives her. And she's addicted to that. And I thought that was a really interesting kind of point to kind of see you know, um, it coming from that side of things um, a little bit. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like you said, where will she end up on the spectrum? Right now I feel like she's she's playing nice, but I don't know if, if Father Paul is going to get fed up with her and she's going to meet a bad end or if she could maybe turn on him because she's you know like look I'm doing everything that you're asking for and I'm still not getting what I want and she might snap I don't know it'll be interesting (laughs) freaking Bev yeah (laughs) tell you that actress is doing a damn good job though like I said when you oh yeah really love or really hate a character that says a lot about the acting that was a great number three man I tell you it was such a great great scene I, I they had such great episodes together or great scenes together. Father Paul and Riley. Um, yeah, God, it's rough. Don't get to see that anymore. Um, well, my buffer before I get into (laughs) my number one, um, (laughs) the number two, something I found interesting. Um, and you mentioned this when we were talking early before we started our top five about this being the fifth episode. Um, of the series um so i'm gonna talk a little bit about hill house hunting hill house and Bly manor so spoilers ahead y'all uh i know many most everyone that listened to us have uh watched hill house we we talked to a lot of people this weekend who didn't watch Bly manor which i was like yeah. oh okay um Hurt my feelings just a little bit But it's okay <laughs> I know it wasn't for everyone Differences of opinion um, As far as those two shows And that's okay But I'm going to talk about um, sp- Specifically the fifth episodes Of those shows So spoilers ahead um, Right now So this this is your warning You might need to skip ahead a little bit If you haven't seen um, either of those shows If you haven't, go watch them now Alright so Yeah, right now <laughs> So I feel the fifth episode is important in this series. I mean, clearly, big shit happens here. And it was obviously very moving and um, sad for me, and I'm sure a lot of people. But what was interesting was this episode, being the fifth episode of Midnight Mass, also has reflections of the fifth episodes of Hill House and Blind Manor, which also included some really seriously twisted reveals for a couple of characters. So in yep. The Haunting of Hill House, uh, Nell Crane, beloved Nell, um, is haunted by the Bent Neck Lady. And, you know, we see, you know, how she's haunted by her um, and it turns out to to be herself, right? The Bent Neck yep. Lady was Nell. We didn't know that um, until much later, but we see her as a little girl haunted by her um, and then we learn how all of that came about um, we find how you know in a moment of delusion you know Nell is dancing around the abandoned mansions dusty rooms thinking that her family's there for her wedding um, you know through through that she's led to the library she's pushed you know by her mother's ghost with the noose around her neck um, through her through all of this Nell learns the truth as she she travels through space and time but such a what a freaking episode. I remember this episode right. shook me to the core. Um, this revelation, um, which that episode echoed this episode with the soul crushing death of Riley. Um, mm-hmm. Bly Manor, fifth episode, the altar of the dead, um, which followed our beloved Hannah Gross. Oh, God, mm-hmm. did we just not love Hannah? Um, yeah. And throughout the series, she kept enduring these uh, confusing shifts in time and space herself, right? Um, we talked yep. about that a lot as we were covering it. Um, there were some red flags, you know, that came about. Um, and we come to find in this episode uh, the revelation that Hannah is dead. Um, she doesn't know it. She just keeps going on about her daily activities. Um, but she de- but she um, finds out that she's dead, and we find out what happened to her. And coming to terms with that, I think was nearly as hard for us as what it was for Hannah. Um, yeah. And then, not unlike Neil or sorry Nell and Hannah, Riley also comes to the conclusion that he's dead. Yeah. Um. And it was um, just, I think a, I think an interesting way for. For Flanagan to go and so I, I feel like now I'm going to be and I, I don't know why it took me till this third series of his to <laughs> for this to like draw attention <laughs> I don't, I'm never going to be able to watch another series of Mike Flanagan I feel like I might just always skip the fifth episode <laughs> Right, because I don't want to say
2: is like we now know we already have what his next show is going to be I don't know I don't think we've talked about that on we the haven't news talked about yet. it yet but we've gotten, you know, we don't know when exactly, but yeah, what his next show is going to be, what it's... Mm-hmm. And so I know we're going to cover that when it's out. hundred When we're going, so it's... Now I'm going to have to keep it in my mind, just like, oh God, and we're going to get to the episode five and we're going to know something's going down. I was going
1: to say, I feel like it's just, uh, <laughs> you're just going to have to know episode five, you better mm-hmm. watch the hell out, um, because this seems to be a trend with him as well. Yeah, we haven't haven't talked about that yet, Um But in case anyone was interested to know, uh, I want to look it up right now just to be sure that I have it right, because I don't want to say it wrong. But they're talking about doing um, the Fall of the House of Usher adaptation, which is from Edgar Allan Poe. Yes, I mean, holy shit. I... I know we had to have talked about Edgar Allan Poe in this podcast before, probably when we were co- covering Altered Carbon and there was the character mm-hmm. Poe. Um, I know I talked about my love of Edgar Allan Poe since I was a little kid, just absolutely obsessed with Poe. That's my dark and twisty. I've been that way forever. <laughs> I have no explanation for it. But anyway, that's his next project at um, Netflix is uh, The Fall of the House of Usher. So, And it sounds like it's going to cover a large number of works by the legendary at Growl and Poe. So we, we do look forward to that. Um, we'll definitely be covering it here. Um, no clue on when that's going to happen, but yeah. I uh, Watch out for that fifth episode. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, I just, I thought it was just really interesting the how the three shows kind of tied these revelations that happen in each episode and how it, it kind of happens again here. Um, again, why did it take me three shows to come to that conclusion and I should have realized knowing the fifth episode was going to be uh, some sort of like gut-wrenching moment that happened. Um, But anyway, I thought it was interesting to kind of mention those. And again, brilliance of Mike Flanagan, in my opinion. Yes. All right. Let's. I don't think I'm ready. (laughs) I don't think I'm ready. What is your number one?
2: My number one is your number one, I'm sure. (laughs) So we can just tag team this thing and talk it out. Okay. But yeah, it is. And this this title, this grouping has been in my top fives many times this series. And so sadly, for the last time, let's talk about Riley and Aaron. Yes. And man, uh, we get Riley. You know, we didn't know where he was. They did not take us directly to where they left us off
1: no. at first. Do not pass and so the first, do not collect yeah, $200. The first time we
2: see him <laughs> is he just shows up at Aaron's while she's sleeping. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she's pissed that he's been gone. But, you know, he's already set on what he wants to do at this point to where he says, you know, remember when we were kids, uh, you know, or, or not really kids, but younger. I think it was before he, they had both left the island that first time. I
1: think he mentioned and, it was a couple of days before she ran away. She ran away at sixteen. Yeah. Couple of days before she ran away. Yep.
2: Yeah. So I guess kids in the way. But this says, you know, we go out there and you know, sit on the boat out in the water, smoke a pack of cigarettes, and wait for the sun to come up. Which, again, second watch is like, oh, just the fact that you ended it with that. Oh, you know, not the sun coming up great. They didn't have a pack of cigarettes, but uh, there were still some ashes that got in the boat. Too soon, yeah, probably way too soon. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> not ready. <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> but yeah. So that was the the plan. Is just to go out on the boat and talk and watch the sun come up. And again, this event tying into the dream that Riley had had that they spoke about, that Aaron had talked to the sheriff. Uh, you know, to talk to Sheriff Hassan about because mm-hmm. she was worried about what this dream could have meant for what he was doing. And that dream, again, is I like sitting out on the boat, looking out at the water, and the sun starts to come up, and then I never make it past that. But something was different this time, because you were there with me, Aaron, and I think it all puts these pieces together where he knows exactly what that means and what he has to do. And so as they get out there, that's... He starts to tell Aaron the story of, you know, where the fuck have you been for the past day? Well... And that's where we get, you know, thrown into the bulk of the episode that we talked about earlier. Right,
1: we get thrown back in time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. to that.
2: And then some of the things leading up to this moment, of course, is after his meeting with with Father Paul, is just seeing him, like, I think one of the best visuals is him just staring out at the water with his eyes glowing in the dark. And it's kind of this mix of he's taking in this beauty of this vision and everything that he's got. But he's staring out into the water, and I think he's already, like, churning up this plan for later. I think he's already planning. Because when he walks out of that rec center, he's going, well, I'm not doing that, so what he's, am I going to do instead?
1: He's He's got a lot of contemplation because it, it's, you know, it's not quite completely dark. It looks like the sun had just set. It's mm-hmm. still slightly light outside. And he, you, he goes through this journey. You know, we see this journey that he goes on as he's walking around town. Um, looking at, you know, just watching the community He's just kind of staring back Into the into the distance And, you know, watching the community And he's watching the people it, We kind of come into the um, End of the sermon as people are coming out of the church Riley's back, you know um, Off to the side of the church Watching the people come out and it is—it's a little disturbing to see his eyes like that because those are the eyes that we keep seeing in the creepy ways of um, you know the creature and maybe Father Paul yeah. now too because now that Father Paul um, has has turned he has the same eyes as, as the creature who's been milling about and staring through people's windows and such and it's 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 a little disturbing but almost in a beautiful way at the same time um, because it's on because it's coming from Riley and I'm just just completely. Uh, in love with Riley and uh, heartbroken um, at, at, at what happens to him, but it's interesting to see how when we get his perspective, the colors of, mm-hmm. of everything as he's looking at people and there's like these glo- like this glow and like the aura of people. And when he looks at the light, how the light just kind of emanates in this glow and looking at the stars and everything's enhanced. You know, he's got to have like enhanced vision, enhanced yeah. senses, smell, things like that. Um, and I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's great. <clears throat> and then, so he's he's taking those things in. I think that is a part of
1: mm-hmm. what's going
2: on. At least he's taking some moment to enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah. But then the hunger pains and the urges come back to him as he's walking through. And yeah. I think that's where he has to make the decision of, alright, the good part is done, and now I've got to make a decision. I've got to do something because, again, he was never on board. I don't think he ever was going to, you know, he drinks Sturge's blood out of the cup and he, you know, because he's kind of given over in that moment. But once he's free on his own, outside of the grasp of Father Paul, I do, I think at that moment he decided, so this is my last night and I'm going to go find a way to take care of this because this is not who I'm going to be.
1: I agree. I agree.
2: so he does. He goes into his house and he kind of just to see his family, Sees, watches his parents and his brother, and I think even realizing he sees them now differently and not in a way that he likes. I think that just pushes him even further to be like, all right, I'm making the right decision. That's when he goes to Aaron's. So he has put this planned to go there cuz he knows that this isn't going to stop. This isn't something he's going to be able to control he's, or take ownership of.
1: Exactly. And I mean he I think he really recognizes that as he's watching his parents and his brother sleep and as he's looking at them like when he saw uh when Bev got really close and he could like mm-hmm. see her pulse emanate through her skin like that and he could, I'm sure, probably smell the blood and and that was when he was almost overtaken from the hunger and Father Paul had to hold him back. He sees that in his parents, too. And um, I think he he was definitely realizing that I'm a danger to the people Mm -hmm. that I love and I care about. Um, And knowing that that isn't what he wants. He doesn't want to hurt people. He doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why he was calling... Bullshit, and not believing what Father Paul was telling him, that this is not good and he doesn't want to hurt people and he doesn't want to, you know, um, and that he's not going to feel good about killing people and that it's okay. Like, Father Paul's like, well, yeah, I killed Joe, but I'm any guilt about it. You know, I don't think R- Riley is not like that because he doesn't believe in that bullshit that, like, Father Paul does, um, yeah. that, you know, it's God moving through him. You know, and so, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he was definitely, I think it was his one way of just, like, proving that this is not good and he's not going to be able to continue. The hunger is not going to go away and something bad is going to happen to where he's not going to be able to control it and he could hurt someone mm-hmm. that he loves. Um, and that he he definitely made his decision pretty yeah, quick. Yeah,
2: and it's as tragic as it is, honestly, it's the, it's the only way it could have gone. I don't think... You know, I mean, there's a very specific situation of having Aaron and stuff there with him. He could have not done, but he had his reason and his purpose for that. And and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But as far as the decision he made for himself, I really don't think there was any other option. I think that was kind of pretty early on set that he was like, so that's what I'm going to have to do. Because again, with this weekend, talk about our meetup and stuff. Because I know there's a lot of people that hadn't watched the episode yet. Or I was trying to... I know uh, Daphne at one point before she had not watched the episode yet but she's like so I think this is going to happen I think he's going to end up like 30 days of nighting himself and <laughs> and I just had to like keep my mouth shut be like interesting and she was like don't tell me anything I was like oh I won't <laughs> you know yeah. or then Steve had seen it but we were in a room with other people who hadn't and so we were like talking in code where he was just like so what did you think of that and I was like it couldn't have happened any other way. And like, we just had this little moment. Where we were like, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Cause we can't spoil it for people, but yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> I know. It was so difficult. I really had to be careful who I was talking with, um, <laughs> you know, as far as, cause I didn't want to spoil anything. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was, it was difficult. And then I didn't want to talk about it too much because I, I try to save the core uh, conversation for you and I. So I don't. Yeah talk too much about it and then i don't say it on the podcast and just try to keep it fresh um but uh, like i said i did kind of just talk to jason about it for a couple of minutes um because i knew mm-hmm. he had watched it and i guess guess just went ahead and watched the entire series um yeah he couldn't stop <laughs> yeah, he couldn't stop he did go ahead and watch the entire series and uh, that's okay um but it yeah we, we mostly kind of talked about like that one piece it wasn't so much about the yeah. entire episode it was mostly about bev Um, so it wasn't like the whole episode. So I, I felt okay just talking about that, that part anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I, 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 it's, I don't think I'm ever going to feel good about how it ended for Riley, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I just don't know that it could have went any other way. I I wish he had stuck around a little longer to, you know, just to I guess because I just want him in the story to be honest I mean I I don't know what's going to happen next and I don't know uh how this is going to play out next um but
2: yeah because there's a lot that sits on Aaron now yeah
1: I mean um there's something's going to be happening here and I I just wanted Riley to be around for more of it and I I mean I always kind of Mm -hmm. had a thought he's probably going to die but it would be at the end you know that yeah. something was going to happen, so I didn't imagine it was going to be so soon. So that that didn't prepare me, and I just I wanted him around for the entire thing because I just really enjoy his character. Um, yeah, and to see how sad he was when he had um, Aaron out there, and sh- how softly she talked to him and was like, you know, if you're sick, I'll get you help. If if you need help, I will find you the help, and it won't be with fear, and it will be without judgment. And um.
0: Yeah,
1: And she was kind of questioning, like, why did you bring me out here? Was it to isolate me? And was it to scare me? And I don't believe it's to scare me because I don't think that you would do that. But even if you did, you know, I've been scared by much worse um, and by worse. Um, and I thought yeah. that was really sad. I thought, God, that just speaks to what she's been through, right, as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to realize that he took her out there, he said "Not, not to isolate you, um, and so you couldn't have anywhere to go. It was so I couldn't have anywhere to go. And it kind of, yeah. um, kind of what I thought about that when he, when he said, so I wouldn't have anywhere to go. It, it f- feels like he knew that this is what he had to do, but maybe he wouldn't be brave enough to, to yeah. go through with it. Because if he has to isolate himself and put himself out in a boat, you know, where he can't run away. He can't get away from the rising sun. Like, he couldn't decide at the last minute to dash inside somewhere. If, like, if they had stayed on on the island, you know, he couldn't dash inside mm-hmm. somewhere to be able to hide from the sun. Like, he he didn't know if he was brave enough. And he, he, he said to Aaron, I, you know, I've, I haven't, I'm not as strong as you, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's why he felt he, he had to do what he, he had to do. He's not as strong as Aaron. Um, and,
2: but he shows that strength. And it's again, that. He takes Father Paul's uh, speech, but then does it in a different way. It's that serenity, the peacefulness of accepting what you can't change, which is where he just sat there and listened to Paul go on and on and on about his will of God bullshit, and then the courage to change the things you can. And that's what that was. Yeah. is he had a choice. He could change this, and it took a lot of courage, but he could do it. And then again, that wisdom of knowing the difference and, and what to do with it, and that wisdom of knowing this is something I can change and this is how I can change it.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, he heard all of Father Paul's arguments and Bev, you know, going on and on, chapter and verse, and he recognized that it was all bullshit. And we still, no one in this show says the word vampire, um, but Riley, Riley knows, you know, what he is and he knows that it isn't good. Yeah, And so then that's why he then chooses to to row... Both of them out into the middle of nowhere, and let um, let the, the sun uh, take him. And
0: who?
2: Yeah, sorry. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a really. It's a lot to take in. I know. Just both times I've watched it, I'm just sitting here watching this whole last bit with just like my hands on my head and just tears in my eyes. And it's and it starts with on Aaron's side of her reaction because she doesn't believe him his story. Like to her, it's. Kind of like, again, she doesn't think, you know, you're not trying to scare me and you're not trying to build up some kind of weird bullshit. The way she's looking at it is there's this underlying metaphor. Right. Kind of the same one that's the show itself, where she's thinking, okay, so he's struggling with his alcoholism, or right? That's
1: where she's going. And he's
2: giving with it. me this story as like the metaphor for it because Riley's done that before. He talks in like really big, flowery language sometimes in their, ta- in their conversations. Yeah. So she's thinking, okay, so what he's telling me is some kind of veiled, you know, story of he's struggling right now. And then that's where it hits you, where she's like, I love you, and I don't judge you, and I will help you through all of it. And and that's, yeah, when he says, so I'd have nowhere to go. That's where it really, if you hadn't caught on already, that's where the realization hits you. Because uh, then the rest of it is just classic Flanagan pulling your heart out and shredding it into pieces. Uh
1: yeah because then um yeah. slowly the sun you can kind of see how the sky is getting a little bit lighter and um mm-hmm. you just just like i'm like oh my god oh my god no 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 um yeah you just
2: you, you know it's coming and there's nothing you can no. do about it and and riley's talking to aaron still he's very calm in that moment where he says you know i want you to just leave just take the boat to the mainland and never come back because i know you can that's been a big thing that they've talked about is he's like, I know what you're capable of. I know you can be better than what you put yourself in, limit yourself to. Just go. Be that person that I know you can be. But I also know you're too good of a person and you're too caring. And so you're going to turn this boat around and you're going to go back and you're going to try to save those people and you're going to try to help them.
1: Yeah. And
2: that's what he just says. And that's why you know he professes his love for her, apologizes for what he's about to do and what's about to happen. And that
1: she's going to have to witness it.
2: Yeah, and but I mean, it's the only way that she's gonna believe, and then it he is. says goodbye, and I'm just bawling at this point, watching it, just like oh, oh.
1: my god. Um, well, and I'm I'm crying now, just thinking about it. But um, <laughs> and then when you see the sun coming up, and like you said, he's apologizing to her, he's professing her love. You know, like I I I love you. I've always loved you. Um, you know, I I you know I had to you have to witness this because I know you wouldn't believe me otherwise because she kind of doesn't she's kind of like that's quite an interesting story you know and knowing that he's going to have to just show her because she's not going to believe him Mm -hmm. Uh, and then he then he just he accepts what he's what he's going to do and just says I did my best Mm
3: -hmm. I did
1: my best oh my god I was just dying um and just before it happens and he sees Tara Beth, and she's not, um, you know, every time that he has seen her when he lays in bed, it's her disfigured face, you know, from the accident, yeah. the glass, like, that's stuck to her face with the reflection of the police lights. Um, but this time we see her and she's there, like, comforting him. Mm-hmm. And that, um, <clears throat> that got me, too. Um, yeah, because it was like... He, it's the peace he's been looking for. That he, Yeah, that he's been looking for. He's
2: able to clear himself from that haunting, you know, as we've called it. But the guilt, it's the things, again, going back to this scene with Father Paul, of being like, you know, don't you want to clear your conscience of this guilt? Yeah. Well, yeah. And he does, but he does he does it the right way, at least to him, the way that it should be done, the way that it's not hurting anybody else.
1: Well, it's, it's like... Um, in, in Bly Manor, when uh, Danny's husband kind of haunts her and she feels the guilt mm-hmm. for what happened to him and um, there was kind of themes around that in Hill house too about the yeah. guilt and this was this was his this was a, a ghost haunting him you know during his waking hours and now they're in in a moment of comfort and I think in a way of like forgiveness and in that he finally got final his final dream.
2: You know, as that's kind of that conversation they had when we talked about the, in that episode of what do you think happens after you die And this whole conversation. And that's kind of where he is in that moment is those flood of dreams and memories and things coming to him. And this is kind of how it manifests itself Itself is in this moment of peace and uh, clarity and forgiveness and being able to wash that away.
1: Yeah, I I think some of this echoes what Riley was talking about in that speech about what he believes happens when you die. You know, mm. um he talked about like the release of DMT and all these memories just, you know, in that 5 minutes, you know, you're living all of this and it's like the best trip you know ever mm. um with, with all of that flooding over you. Um but then how that peace comes over you um and then you know, he for him and his meaning of death serves a purpose. And I really hope that that is what this was as well, that this served a purpose, like Riley Mm -hmm. fulfilled a purpose and served a purpose and that Aaron does something with that, Mm -hmm. you know, that it wasn't for nothing.
2: (laughs) Take what she's seen and take this. And then, yeah, these last two episodes, like where'd all these pieces come together that, Hasan is onto something. Bev has her own stuff going on. Erin has now seen with her own eyes what's going on in that instance and heard his story. So we'll have to see where it goes. But man, not to throw you back into the trauma boat.
1: But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm already here, Peg. I'm still rowing, right. rowing in the <laughs> <boat. laughs>
2: But yeah, but just talking about, I mean, you have to, you have to mention the very ending of the episode after that kind of little dream thing where then it cuts back and it's just horror. It's horrific. Where Aaron's screaming as Riley's burning up and then it goes into the credits. Into the credits. No music. Just Aaron screaming and crying with the sounds of Riley burning and the water around them. And this was one that I stopped, the, you know, because it has that, like, next episode, next episode coming up. episode
1: or watch credits. I had, I just, Did you, select you know, watch I to where,
2: yeah, I just selected to where I was like, no, I'm going to let the whole credits run. mm mm-hmm. And it just goes for, like, the whole credits, and it's, I'm like, why am I doing this to myself?
1: Why why <laughs> am I torturing myself? I, yeah, that was uh, beautiful in a very, like, sad, dark way, um, and I think really brilliant of Mike Flanagan to to, to do that in that way. Um, I couldn't tell Aaron's screams from my own and sobbing from my own, because um, I didn't expect or want that to happen and i felt as horrified and as what she did um yeah I, I, if anyone missed it I, it might be some, kind of cruel go back and watch it again um just but just take our word for it don't put yourself through exactly that. <laughs> yeah just believe us when we say it um but yeah if anyone missed it it did go go throughout the, the credits it kind of played out as as riley was was burning and you know in the boat and her screams and her sobbing and yeah very well played very effective Mike Flanagan has has that way about him Mm -hmm. yeah clearly I was not ready to talk about this episode (laughs) because I'm just like (laughs) a freaking puddle here but I'm cleaning myself up so we'll be good we'll be good to get through the rest of this um that was yeah, that was my number one too. That's why I just kind of jumped in and was talking about it with you. Yeah. Um do you have anything else that you want to say about that?
2: That is all that I have.
1: All right. How about notes?
2: That is also all I have. your notes. All, all of my notes fit into my points like That is just,
1: yeah. everything for me too. Everything for me too. Notes, top 5. I I am emotionally spent. I I have I can't I don't even I don't even know. Um this Frigg, Mike Flanagan, why do you do this to me? I think we've said this about everything that we've covered from him so far. Um, right. Okay. Well, how about, um, do, do you, so through the trauma, were you able to have um, a, a character that you chose um, or that you think, in your opinion, was closest to God?
2: Um, I have to go with Riley on this one. Okay. Kind of finishing out his story here, but it's that, again, it's funny, you know, the the outspoken atheist being the one that I call close to God last time I picked him, but it's, I think, in the general sense of, in the truth of things, like, yeah, because he's the one that was given all of this information and given this life and said, no, because I'm not willing to hurt anybody, I'm not willing to do this kind of thing, so what do I do instead?
1: Well... I mean, I think it's really interesting, yeah, because with as pious as Bev and Father Paul claim to be, and acting like they are doing God's work or God's will, and this is God working through them, um, you know, and they're killing, well, Bev hasn't killed, well, she killed her dog, that's enough for me, Um, (laughs) but she's going along with it, and she's helping cover things up, Father Paul has killed someone, doesn't feel guilty about it. Um, and Riley, who doesn't believe and doesn't have the faith, um was calling bullshit on everything that they said and didn't feel it um, and was still a better person than them so i uh i don't think that's a bad choice at all um i'm I'm choosing Millie this episode. I think that she has been given a second chance here, and I think she's gonna do some. Thing pretty interesting on the side of good with it so she's who, who I'm selecting I think she might use her second nice. chance to uh, maybe help take take out Father Paul yeah Um. what about Devil's Minion this episode I feel like it just kind of
2: goes back and forth between two people just <laughs> tag teaming it in and out I know, but, I know uh, right? <laughs> but I'm going Father Paul this one as obnoxious as Bev was mm-hmm. all is just in way too deep. I agree. At this point.
1: He's also my selection and for the same exact reason that you just said he's I think definitely just lost it at this point. His God's army talk and uh justifications for what he's done. Uh Yeah, that's where I'm at. All right. Well, mm-hmm. good talk. Um I I Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yay yay yay. I don't know how I'm going to recover for this or from this. Um, well, maybe our listeners will provide um, some support and some some interesting feedback that that we can focus on help get um, get me through this. So, I love we got some great feedback from you guys again. So appreciative that you guys um, are continuing to contribute. You have some very interesting things to say. So, I'm going to take the first one here from our good friend Laura Willie Swink. She says. No, that ending. Oh, God, no. Why? 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 Why the F would Riley think that taking Aaron out in a wooden rowboat at sunrise would be a good idea?
2: Yeah, he should have at least been just like, oh, oh, but let's make sure we take the, the metal one.
1: Why? Oh, don't worry about
2: it. We'll just... <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Ugh. Um, She goes on. Honestly, though, R.I.P. Riley Flanagan has never been afraid to kill off our protagonist, but before the final act, that was nuts. And Riley dies, but totally awful Bev gets to be Father Paul's own personal Renfield. Let's hope she'll be the entree at Easter brunch. (laughs) Speaking of Father Paul, he's gone from impassioned priest to full-blown Jim Jones, and Millie can see it. Hats off, once again, to uh, Hamish Linklater for knowing how to pull off the subtle difference of the two. Since Erin has stopped taking communion, I wonder if her body will start reverting to its previous state and perhaps her pregnancy will return. Is that too weird? Probably not weirder than a totally erased pregnancy. I normally love all the dialogue and character building, however I felt it was a slowdown here in the pace of the series after all the build up of episode four. Still a good episode, but I really want to start getting into the action and scares now with only two episodes left to go. Thanks, Laura. Thank
2: you. This one comes from Lindsay Schlicht, says, My struggle with this show is the incredibly long monologues and conversations, heavy in religion. As a kid who was forced into church but skeptical from a very young age, listening to sermons and religious conversations that go on forever sets me on edge and irritates the hell out of me, and this show has, wh- has way too much of this, in my opinion. What keeps me coming back for more is the other stuff. The amazing storytelling outside these parts. 27 minutes of a conversation between two people was enough to make me think maybe I was out on this show, and then Flanagan blows me out of the water with an amazing end to the episode. I was so worried for Aaron, and when Riley said, I brought you out here so I'd have nowhere to go, and I realized what he planned. As sad as I was for him to die, I was blown away by such amazing acting and storytelling. He did it to save Aaron, and he also saved himself from ever becoming a monster. Riley saying he did his best, closing his eyes and opening them to the girl he killed, taking his hand... Cut to Aaron screaming, talk about crying to shock. Despite my irritation at 95% of this episode, this ending made it one of the best episodes of TV I can remember. I absolutely cannot wait for what I imagine will be an amazing last two episodes. Hopefully Aaron, Sarah, and the sheriff will be our heroes. This one's going to stick with me for a long time. That
1: was great feedback, Lindsay. I feel like yeah. we have very similar backgrounds and experiences. Yeah you and i should chat some time um you know i am hearing though from a lot of people um i saw online had some issues with the monologues and conversations in the sermons they feel like it's getting to be a little bit too much and i do understand that i myself i'm finding it very intriguing i think one thing that helps me anyway at least as far as when father paul is having his sermons or monologues is because it's hamish link later and i just i think <laughs> he's great i think he's brilliant um with his acting and his cadence of speech i've i've I'm totally captivated by him and and I love it, but, um, that's me.
2: Yeah. The underlying kind of like double meanings are a lot of things he says. Mm -hmm. It's fun to listen for that stuff, but, but yeah, in general, just, yeah, this show has a lot of dialogue and I can see, like you said, that maybe some people, you know, I'm not going to judge you for not enjoying it, but I'm on the opposite side of that where I am completely enthralled by all of it because just for whatever one reason or another, it, it works for me.
1: It works for me and I love it and it's it's just something Mike Flanagan does too. I mean, he did it in Hill House, he did it with Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just something I think you kind of know that you're going to get um, and I don't know. I, it works for me too, but I do understand that it's not and it could also be triggering for some. It is a very religious heavy yeah. series, so that can be triggering for a lot of people um, on both sides. Yeah. Um, so, I get that. Um But I'm I'm glad that you're still um, with it, Lindsay. I'm glad that there's enough of it to keep drawing you in. So thank you for still being here. Um, Because I would miss you if you weren't. Mm -hmm. Um, Next one we have is from Alma Contreras. She says, "'Ugh, that whole Good Friday sermon. Um, Though I do understand there was a lot of depth and double meanings throughout, I don't care for it. Perhaps it's because I'm no longer religious.' Poor Riley. I really thought he was going to find redemption and be the hero this island needs. I love that scene in the boat with Aaron. I too kept thinking he was going to give into his hunger. R.I.P. Riley. Beverly, how I hate this lady. How did she figure everything out? Wasn't she the one who poisoned Paul so he could die and finalize his transformation? I can't wait to hear y'all's reactions to this awesome episode. Thank you. Thanks, Alma.
2: All right, this comes from Don Elizabeth. She says, This just gets better and better, and more horrible at the same time. I have so much to say about this one. Rima, I really like your idea that there is no knowledge of vampirism in this world. It's really the only thing that makes sense. When Father Paul made his entrance into the church for service, it made such an impact. I really felt his presence. I'll say it again, Hamish Linklater is doing an awesome job in this role. He comes across as so caring as the father because he really believes that he is spreading God's word. But he is so wrong. Do you think that because he was an old man wandering a bit in his wits when he met the angel, that's why he was so delusional? I don't care for the long sermons and kept feeling that he was just wandering in what he was saying. But then, pow! It would all pull together, or did it? I'm really, I really want to hear what you and Pig's opinion on this. Maybe the edible I was enjoying affected how I was hearing him. <laughs> <laughs> but he is so damn compassionate; it's hard to dislike him totally. I love the way the camera moved in slowly on his and Riley's meeting. That damn Bev. The way she casually stepped around Riley's blood puddle was chilling. What does she have to gain by standing by Father Paul the way she does? I'm not really clear on that. I haven't seen this actress before, but because I hate her character so much, she must be terrific. Like what Pake said about Game of Thrones' Jackie Gleason, the older people are noticeably getting younger, but the younger people don't seem to be. Hmm. I also wonder how religious people feel about this show. The parallel between communion and blood drinking is right in your face. I'm now understanding why there was so much communion shown early on. I think it helps show why Paul is so convinced that his blood drinking isn't a terrible thing. He really thinks he's partaking of God's blood. Ugh. I really enjoyed Riley's vampire vision, the way the waves and the sky appeared to him, and Sob, his dreams came true, of Aaron and the girl he killed in the boat together. What a tearjerker that ending was. I was a bit worried for Aaron, but he proved to be much stronger than he gave himself credit for. He was hungry when he got in that boat with her. Sorry this is so long. Feel free to crop. Can't wait for your podcast to come out. Enjoy the get-together y'all are having. Thanks, and we did.
1: Thanks, Don. <laughs> yes, we did. We we had a great time. Um, yeah, I just... Peg and I were just talking before uh, we started recording that we just saw each other um, two days ago on Monday.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. It was like kind of sad. It was like, oh, we spent this whole weekend together, and it's like, oh, I don't want to say goodbye. And it's like, ah, we'll talk on Zoom in like two days. So I <laughs> say, I will
1: see you so many times this week because we were trying to push yeah. out these podcasts that... Um, we might be sick of each other. No, that's not going to happen. But nah. no, that was a great time. Um, it was it was so great to see you, Paik, and yeah, so many of our no, other this good is friends. Fun
2: weekend thing. So that's what you were doing on that roller coaster was your impression of Aaron at the end of this episode, right? That's what.
1: <laughs> you know, I think I could give her a run for her money for that screaming. Yeah. Um, right. You guys told me I was quite loud on that on the roller coasters. <laughs> um (laughs) so yeah that's i don't know that that might be why i don't have much of a voice my voice has been struggling these (laughs) last couple of days it's i think because it's all spent um wow dawn thank you so much i'm not cropping any of that out that was that was all good um thank you so much um next one we have is from maureen favo um she mentions that this was posted um prior to the um episode one podcast so she has some thoughts she says so gonna have to let that episode ending sit and process a while have to acknowledge mike flanagan is a very brave storyteller to take that step with two episodes left considering the title of next episode kind of very very scared after whom father john paul considers his apostles goosebumps a couple of additions after rewatch mike flanagan has subtly been setting up community class system and this episode takes it on specifically missing people Drug dealer, drunk, and ex-con, how on a small island like this is no one really searching. And continual messages of how special members of this church. Um, Bev's deference to people of power. Father Paul's favoritism to Millie and even Riley contrasted to Joe. uh, Realized criticism of sermons, but Good Friday's sermon tells us so much about Father Paul's and Bev's plans. Talk about setting up anticipation. Plus, everyone Father Paul identified with in this episode, um, Jesus Christ and Moses and God, terrifying angels, best self, peak self, what does this mean? Um, Best visuals ever, Riley's phone lighting up while sitting in his blood, oh, God, yes, that that won't leave my head anytime soon. Um, Father Paul realigning Riley's neck, wow, Bev's hesitancy slash fear to stand close to Riley. Last scene and sounds of Riley's life and death. Would love to dissect Aaron and Riley's boat trip, but it is all about feels and masterclass on suspense and triggering audience to ask all necessary questions to enter last act. Mm -hmm. Great thoughts and good questions.
2: All right. We have some emails. This first one comes from AE says, I love the cliffhanger at the end of the episode four. Killing off the main character is an interesting development to me, as a writer, as a white guy, I approve even more because we have had more than enough white guy protagonists. Because of this, the part of the episode where we saw Riley back on screen as a vampire irritated me, as I thought Mike Flanagan had cheated me out of an exciting plot twist, only to pay me back even more with the epic death in the boat. This narrative decision is additionally impressive, as Riley was a stand-in for Flanagan in his Midnight Mass manuscript, by the director's own admission. Killing another person while drunk driving represented Mike Flanagan's greatest fear. I love how Riley met the person he killed in his dying vision, seeing her whole the first time. By acting to save others instead of drinking their blood, at last he can rest easy. This ending also reminded me of Saint Maud, which is a great horror movie. Sincerely, AE.
1: I've never seen Saint Maud or heard I of it. Have, have you?
2: Either. No, I've not.
1: I heard a lot of references online to that, and I'm intrigued. Um, yeah. so thanks for pointing that add out add that to
2: a list <laughs> I was going to say thank you AE
1: for uh, pointing that out and making that reference again I'm, I'm very curious about that after having um, seen that come up quite a few times um, thank you for that feedback uh, I'm curious as to what you write if you don't mind responding and letting me know I don't have to share it if you don't want me to but I'm curious um, to know um, I find writers fascinating thank you for sharing that uh, next email we have is from Fran. She says, "Okay, so O M G, this damn show! And how can I keep this short? Uh, I mean, raised up with everything from Dracula and Frankenstein to Exorcist, Twilight, Omega Man, everything in between with horror, suspense, psychological thrillers, warfare, witchcraft, witchcraft, sorry, voodoo, Carrie, Freddy Krueger." I am Legend, Blade, I mean all of it, absolutely embedded into society and culture, and now here we are, 2021, 2021, and it's come to a next level vampire movie. I mean, I get it, but at this point in my life, there are some stronger lines drawn that I cannot ignore. Okay, the scenes, the storyline, the direction, missing people, Sheriff who appears a little too laid back, why isn't he seeking outside help? Paul prepping the folks for something bigger, but Millie sees through it. Riley and Aaron launch out on the rowboat. Riley, unbelievable story. Riley's realization of the blood, thirst, hunger. Riley telling Aaron to run in his choice to combust rather than remain as the creature he was forced to become. And in the midst of all that, the use of scripture. That is a triggering factor for me more than anything else. And there may be triggering factors herein for many others like Jews, recovering addicts who use the serenity prayer, Bible believers, Muslims. But to see the scriptures quoted, not even just alluded to, but quoted... Precious promises of God's holy word, communion that's to be done in remembrance of him in the story context of a tainted, deluded priest, thinking he's doing good God's service, thinking he's ushering in the new blood covenant. This stuff crosses over the edge into blasphemy. That's right. I said it. Blasphemous. The Bible warns of those who rest, twist, or pervert the scriptures to their own destruction. I had to search out Mike Flanagan interviews to find out some of what this dude is about. And in one, he was asked if this story is the work of a Christian or an atheist, and he answered saying it's both. That's the problem right there. Flesh is at enmity with the spirit. Be hot or cold, but not lukewarm. We've seen the Jim Jones, Guyana tragedy, that David crushes, the cult groups who commit suicide thinking they're going on some grand spaceship to heaven. We know how fundamentalism of any kind can be abused. The messaging here so far is like... um, dang way beyond but anyway i hope i find something redeeming by the end of this story and i can only pray that those out there who may be on the verge of believing god's word or not become shipwrecked in their faith because of the crap they see on a tv show and likewise for those who are solid in their faith in christ who may watch this are become more stalwart in proclaiming the truth of the true gospel i look forward to your episode review and hope you had that great reunion weekend grace and peace to you fran in new york thank you we did have a great reunion weekend
0: Mm-hmm. everyone
1: remembered how <laughs> nice was that yeah um, that was some very interesting thoughts you definitely have some very strong opinions Fran yeah um, yeah I don't know what I really have to say to that honestly um, mm-hmm. I know I am on the different side of things um, and I mean as we've talked this I think show can definitely be triggering for folks on both sides Um. so and I Think that you are entitled to all of that, and what you for believe. Sure. Thank you for sharing. Um, I appreciate seeing a yeah. different viewpoint there.
2: Yeah, and that's that's something that's great, and so that's why you know we don't really cut and edit around a lot of this feedback and stuff, is because even though on a personal level I might not agree or be on the same page with a lot of things that different people say, it's good, like you said, to kind of speak your truth and, and have that out there. And we'd like to make sure that that is is represented here. So we appreciate you giving us your thoughts.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Fran.
2: All right, this next email comes from Andrea. says, Hi, Rima and Paik. I'm so glad you both set their word list for a few minutes for the Limitations episode, because I was too. Thank you for reading my email, even though I was so desperately behind. Holy cow, I wanted to send a feedback email for that episode, but I couldn't find the words. I finally caught up, and so I get, I'm glad. I'm so glad my guess has paid off. Thoughts on episode five? Rima, you are right about uh, Riley's dream, but how horrifying for Aaron, so... Now it's going to be up to Aaron, the sheriff, Doc, and Ollie to take out the Vangel, vampire angel, Vangel. <laughs> <Is> that,
1: oh. <laughs> Clever. I like it, Vangel.
2: Vangel. <laughs> All right. Riley's visit to his family and the church was his goodbye to them. And I loved the stars pulsed like their blood. Mm. I wonder if there's any turning uh, turning back for those who have taken the communion. It was so hard not to let that next episode play. Happy spooky season.
1: Yeah. Oh, good thoughts, yeah,
2: yeah, I don't know what's yeah, for those who are already being transformed, if there is any kind of yeah reversing those things or what I... effects that has, that's a good question, yeah, I don't know, I mean, maybe you get back into the we've talked vampire lore a little bit of in some of the vampire lores, if you kill the the vampire that turned another one then.
1: Right, they, they kind of revert to. back, yeah, <laughs>
2: or they either revert or they die. There's like a <sighs> extreme or yeah:
1: I don't know, I don't know if, if they just I don't know if they just kind of go back to the way they were, I don't know what what would happen there, so because I don't know what they're taking out of the vampire lore, right um, yeah, what what pieces they've decided to to add to this at least until it plays out, so I don't know. I don't know what what will happen to the folks that have been taking the communion. Okay, next email comes from our good friend, Jerry. Yay. Yay. Hey, Jerry. He says, Hi, Pacon Rima. Oh, dear God, this episode. From beginning to end, this was an incredible episode. The dialogue between Riley and Father Monsignor Paul talking about his being changed was a very long, tense scene indeed. Bev and Sturge being Father Paul's version of Renfield made them such despicable stooges for this now monster that Paul has become. Bev, especially because she, like the devil, can quote scripture to her purposes. Riley drinking Sturge's blood like a thirsty man in the desert was to be expected, but when he rolled up his sleeve and you saw the bandages, it was cringy for sure. Riley feeling the thirst and seeing everyone lit up made uh, for some perspective on how Paul saw everyone and the glowing eyes, yikes. Paul is a monster for for feeling no remorse for killing joe what a jackass in the final scene with riley and aaron on the boat i realized what he was doing almost immediately he couldn't come to terms with having to end more lives to keep going and therefore let himself be obliterated by the sunlight and it is regretful that aaron had to see that for her to believe what riley was telling her i felt a cold chill as the credits were rolling and poor aaron was still screaming it is very difficult to resist the urge to continue with the show, but I said I would keep pace with you and not spoil myself. Great work, you two. See you next week for some more feedback. Jerry. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Really appreciate that. And
2: yeah. Appreciate the extra step to to roll with us, because not everybody can do it, <clears throat> Jason. <clears throat> <clears throat> not, to, so, not to call out you know, anyone
1: or anything. Right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no. We got to a hard time. Um Gosh, great emails, great uh, feedback from Facebook. Um, But to top it off, we've gotten uh, some amazing voicemails as well. I feel like we're having a little bit of like our our little reunion trip didn't end, because we've gotten some feedback from some great friends that we got to see this weekend. Um, So it feels like we're just continuing on that conversation. So this is kind of fun for me. Um, So this voicemail is from our good friend greg let's what he always has something interesting to say so this should be good um let's see what greg has to say
4: whoa whoa this is the guy that i defended a couple of episodes ago that is crazy just a second bud uh fuck there guys this is greg uh man like, this is like one Riley's whole spiel sh- 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 and deal was awesome. I am firmly back on the side of the humans again. Uh, I love the fact that uh, his love for Aaron, you know, wore through uh, his desire to, well, not his desire, but his, what would have become his desire to drink at least her blood. I was, that was a really risky move though, that he'd be able to control himself. But, I mean, that's, that's, you know, good for him. But, like, man, Hummels Linklater just killing it, and uh, and like these sermons that he's giving are bonkers in the best way. I mean, not for the character, but his his acting is just phenomenal. But uh, hey, buddy, just just a second. Uh, anyway, so you know, look forward to the podcast, and I am so glad I get to watch the uh, next episode now. Bye.
2: Hi, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it's That's not good. in the, our messenger threads, now it's on here, too. Just, hey, Ryan,
1: you're there. It's cool. Yes. Hang out anytime. <laughs> so sweet, sweet babies. Yes, <laughs> Greg, um, pulling some daddy duty while providing some feedback is always great. Um, thank you, Greg, for sticking with us. And I, I, I always love hearing what you have to say. So that was a, a bright light for me. Thank you. Um, I I knew he would be impacted um, oh, yeah. by this one. All right. Our next voicemail comes from our good friend Eric. Hey, Eric. We got to see him too. Mm-hmm. Let's see what he has to say.
5: Hey, Raymond Pick. Two quick points. Uh, first, I think that there's beginning to be some daylight, no pun intended, between Paul and Bev on exactly what is happening and what is Paul's will, uh, or Monsignor, uh, what's his will and what is uh, God's will as Bev sees it. So I think that all of her uh, speeches in the past um relating to the Monsignor's action and then and then her uh, saying, no, this is totally okay because Scripture says so. I, I don't think that she had some kind of allegiance to um, to Father Paul and then was justifying it with Scripture. I think that she is a devout reader of the Scripture and then saw in Father Paul's action a uh, manifestation of the things that she had read. So I think as... Um, she kind of doesn't agree entirely with what's going on with, um, Riley and say letting him out of the rec center and questioning whether, whether that's a good idea or not. I think that, uh, she will possibly by the end of the series be against Monsignor, uh, it. I I think possibly she'll say, something will happen, and she'll be like, no, this is your will, not God's will, and she may make a stand against him. Uh, Second point is the end of the episode. Uh, So I know um, if you've seen a a fair amount of vampire movies, you've seen something like this, Immolation by Sunlight, before, but I I think that the way that they did it, uh, instead of at the end of a story, which is usually where it happens... um, usually happens to somebody who's been like fighting with, with like vampires for a while and then ends up getting bitten in the fray or uh, somebody who's like turned by a lover against their will and then uh, immolates themselves in an act of defiance uh, this is still an, an act of defiance but it's very interesting in that this is sort of the reveal of of uh, vampirism to another character who's, who's then going to go on it's um, sort of like the intro to vampirism of the of the larger world and this is how the secret i think is going to get out um and then the just absolutely haunting uh credit scene i i i just love how they let you sit with with what is just an absolutely horror horrific moment um uh and really lets us see that through aaron's eyes that was really something all right thanks guys
1: I like that act of defiance mm-hmm. on Riley's part. Yeah. That was a really great was really point. <sighs> that was great, Eric. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy that I got to meet you um, for the first time yes, same. Uh, this weekend. So
2: me and Eric, were, we had we had hit up the, the amusement park the night before everybody else, just me and him. Yeah. And there's a couple others we like met up with. But like as far as roller coasters, just me and him hit that last one just by ourselves the night before. It's fun yeah
1: <laughs> Eric's a great guy and I'm so happy I mean we've, we've known each other through through the group so we've had interactions and conversations mm-hmm. but actually getting to meet in person um, was that first time and a couple of people we met for the first time um, was was yeah. great so Thank you, Eric, so much for that feedback. I, I wish we'd been able to have that. I know we talked about maybe having a group watch for episode five, or at least the folks that wanted to watch it. Um, and that just didn't get to happen this weekend, unfortunately. It was yeah. kind of a mix of craziness this, this weekend. So, was much <laughs> so much going on. So much going on. But so happy that you left us some feedback. Because I very interesting points. Um, and I like what he had mm. to say about Bev potentially turning on Father Paul, and that yeah. she doesn't he doesn't think she has quite the allegiance to him and i don't know i'm kind of feeling that i'm i can totally buy that all right uh next voicemail we have is from our good friend steve let's see what he has to say
3: Okay, I, I listened to my voicemail for Midnight Mass episode four, and gosh, I was so out of it. Uh, so I'm watching it again. I'm right here at the end of episode four of, of episode four, about to go into episode five, just because I want to be up up to date. Whoa, Riley just got attacked by this thing. Hey, Pakenham and Steve. So I'm just beginning episode five, uh, book five, Gospel. Okay, so now they're not just getting healed; they're getting younger. This is the doctor's mom here, and we still don't know what happened to Riley. Come on, Mike Flanagan. Only three episodes left. This, this show is, is rapidly coming to it. Uh, we still don't know what happened to the baby. Speculating about a flashback episode. We don't need a flashback episode. They're just making everybody younger. He just said the, the titled episode a bunch of times, gospel. That was just wild. The whole thing about God's army and changing morality. No, no, sir. Well, he's alive at least, there's Riley. That'd be a good idea for him to watch the sun come up though. How how do you tell someone they're a vampire? I, I guess this is the best way to do it. Closed captioning is still calling him Father Paul, even though we all know who he is. Okay, so that, that, that clears up that. He didn't actually become a vampire until he died. Yes to Moses and not Joseph, David was the other murderer. Those bandages on Sturge's arm, is he feeding the father and he's gonna try to feed Riley? Still in the boat with Aaron, right? He's just relating this story and we're seeing it happen. Is Is he gonna 30 days of night this? Oh no, that was horrifying. Way worse than 30 days a night. And I'm glad the boat doesn't set on fire. I hope the boat doesn't catch on fire. All right, talk to you later.
1: That was some fantastic yeah. live steving right there.
2: That was grade A choice, restaurant quality, live
1: steving, yeah. <laughs> and echoed a lot of my thoughts too. That was great, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um also got to see steve over the weekend i feel like i didn't get enough time with steve there's so many people there that yeah i didn't get to see everyone i don't think equally so (laughs) but yeah great that yeah i don't yeah uh there's some thoughts there but i think you said some things very well there steve that kind of echoed yeah some of my thoughts too so that I, i appreciate what you had to say there Thank you, as always. Thank you to everyone. Fantastic feedback. We've only got two more episodes, guys. Um, Oh, man. Not ready. Not ready. But I'm
2: so ready to watch them. I'm so excited, but also not ready for this to end. I'm
1: excited. Um, Worried. I'm scared. I don't know where this is going to go. I I don't know. I feel like if I can get through this episode, though, then how much worse can it get? Because I feel like I've done have my heart ripped out. Um, how how much further can it go? Although <laughs> I might regret asking that damn question, I did know. I just open Pandora's box here? I don't know. So it's like
2: Mike Flanagan's listening in, going, like, "Oh, I'll show yeah. you." Yeah,
1: well, hold my beer. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, next on Strange Indeed, we're going to be covering um, the sixth episode of Midnight Mass, titled "Book Six: Acts of the Apostles." Um, I. I haven't watched it. I don't know the description, but I think just based on the theme that we have here, like what was happening in this episode where I think Father Paul was kind of seeing Riley as his apostle and wanting to go spread the word, that this is going to carry on into the rest of, like he's going to consider like the rest of the congregation like his apostles Yeah, is, is my guess um, and that something's going to happen. Just my guess. I could be completely wrong, because I don't know, but I'm just following the themes here. Um, We're also trying to figure out, because um, there are only seven episodes, we're down to episode six and seven, Um, and we're also coming up to Lock and Key. Lock and Key, this is Wednesday, um, the 20th, as we are recording this. Uh, Lock and Key comes out Friday, October 22nd. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we...
2: (laughs) might be when you're listening to
1: this. <laughs> <Right>. so. <laughs> so we are trying to fix the timing a little bit. Look, we this is a very deep show, and, and Paik and I are pretty firm that we don't want to rush through covering yeah. these episodes. Our goal is to try and get the last two episodes covered maybe before we release the episode for Lock and Key, but I am hoping to get Lock and Key out quick because... Everyone's going to watch it binge it and be over it quickly. So I want to try and get these episodes out so but at the same time, I don't want to rush our coverage of midnight Mass. So I'm trying to find yeah. this balance of giving midnight Mass its due and the respect that it deserves because it's such a deep show and it takes us time to really you know get our thoughts down and um, you know be able to to put them into notes and to go through our processes. So hopefully we'll get these out. Um, next last two episodes out in good succession, there, and then also going into Lock and Key. I don't know what that's going to look like. I feel like the last episode of Midnight Mass and the first episode of Lock and Key are probably going to be around the same time. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's
1: what's going to happen. So, anyway, just to kind of prepare you guys of like, well, what's going to happen? What's coming out next? And when are you going to release those episodes? I don't know. We're going to try and get them out as quickly as possible. Um, as our schedules allow and to allow time for the coverage. Um, so that's where we're at. But we are excited that you followed us to the crock pot. And we ask that you also follow us on Twitter at strange cast.
2: You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stranger T cast. And you
1: can email us at stranger things cast pod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV time app.
2: You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts.
1: And speaking of great podcasts, make sure to check out Pake and Daphne on their podcast called Run For Your Lives. Yeah. Anything fun yeah. that you would like to tease this week?
2: Yeah, this week is another first something new that we have not done yet, where we are breaking... Out of film and covering our first TV series over there. We are not doing it episode by episode, as we do right here on Strange Indeed, but we are covering just the entire first season, but it is an animated show, a kid's show, they're quick episodes, covering the Netflix original Jurassic Park, or Jurassic World, really, Camp Cretaceous. Yay! And so we have Greg on that with us. Excellent. (laughs) So... As he's also, what you hear, heard today, he's busy being a dad, and then he's also watching kids' shows and talking about them with us. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun to kind of break that down with him, and of course, because it is a kids' show animated series, we wanted to go ahead and take extra precautions. So, if you have kids who are into that, who, I don't know, it's a very small Venn diagram of kids who enjoy that show and also give a crap about <laughs> podcasts. Right. Um, <laughs> There's probably not many kids that want to listen to a podcast about a show, but but at least you know that if you're listening and you have kids around, it is safe for those little campers and their ears on that one. Because being a kids show, we wanted to go ahead and make it family friendly while we covered it, just in case. So oh, it was it was a lot of fun. That's
1: excellent. I have been on uh, most of the shows, and this one, of course, you know, is included. We curse here. We're a little filthy yeah. here, and most podcasts i've guested on are that way but there were a couple i've had to watch myself on that's tough for me personally (laughs) that is tough so kudos to you guys for keeping it you know family friendly kid friendly um it is possible you can have a great podcast like that um but it's tough for me personally because i've just got a potty mouth Mm -hmm. that's excellent and sounds like a ton of fun and something interesting something a little different so that's excellent all right we'll be sure to check them out guys uh-huh. Well, Alright, that is our show.
2: Thanks everyone for listening.
1: Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Dave. And Jerry in California is strange indeed. Hey everyone, welcome to our bonus segment dedicated to the great British baking show.
6: This week we're covering collection nine, episode four, Dessert Tweak. They should do, des- seems like you do dessert at the end.
1: No, no we, we, we uh, dessert is good <laughs> anytime. I, I like eating my dessert. Yes. Uh, you know, Hey, it's a fun part of being an adult, right? You can have dessert whenever you want. You can have it at the beginning of the meal. <laughs> you can just middle. only have dessert. You can only, I do that so <laughs> yeah. often. That is why my diet goes to hell. <laughs> Cause I'm like, let's just have dessert. <laughs>
6: We went. To,
2: I haven't had dinner today, but ice cream <laughs> does sound yeah. good. I don't so. know if you
6: mentioned it on the podcast, but a bunch of us who have become friends through podcasting just had a great weekend in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Mm. And I bought, yeah. you know, you got to bring chocolate home to the kids. So I bought uh, some Hershey Kisses and some big giant ones. And um, the kids had never really seen Hershey Kisses before, so I just gave them both one small one here, I got you something. And they were pretty stoked. I could have just left it at that, to be honest. But I was like, do you want one more? And Buddy's like, okay. And I, then I bust out this big giant Hershey's Kiss.
4: Oh. I was like, oh my God. That's awesome.
6: <laughs> anyway.
2: Yeah. I ate way too much candy. Yeah. I usually don't eat chocolate and candy stuff. But when we're in Hershey at the <coughs> store and all of that, it's, like, it's just like, well, I guess while I'm here, I'll get that. And that, 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 I mean, that what and
1: are that. you going to do we were in a literal candy store, this massive candy store? Yeah, we did yeah. mention, I don't know if we mentioned it on, on the Bake Off bonus segment, but I'm we I'm sure did that's how
6: it is in the Bake Off tent, too. They're just, like, yeah. gobbling down all these cakes and pies and stuff.
1: Oh, my gosh. That would be the fun part of mm-hmm. being either, like, a contestant or, like, Noel um, or the judges is you get to, you know. Or
6: just some production dude who's like
1: yeah can I grab a piece? camera guys like hey can i have a slice of that because yeah that'd be one of the best parts um but yeah we were oh, yeah. we had a lot of dessert over this weekend dessert is fun um and dessert is always fun um when it's bake-off week there's always interesting desserts and you know i didn't know uh like i've heard of sticky toffee have not or sticky toffee pudding i have never had it but i've heard of it but i have never heard uh, or I seen of a pavlova And the Showstopper?
2: I love those as well. Have
1: you had that before?
2: (laughs) I've had Pavlova before. Uh, I love it a lot. Um, It's definitely not an American thing. It's funny. um, I actually had it for Christmas one year. We were like some extended family, like a Christmas get-together. It was like family from like my brother's ex-wife's family and stuff like people I don't even know or connect right. with or anything anymore, but they had friends from New Zealand. They were, like, one was in New Zealand, one from Australia, and they met together and married, and now they live here in the States, and she made a pavlova for our, like, Christmas dinner and stuff then, and god, I was really? obsessed with it, and so I was texting our friend Anwen, who lives in New Zealand, and I was just like, what is this c- beautiful creation thing? So we were talking about that, so... Yeah, I was obsessed with it. It was so good. I've
6: never had it either, and I don't usually like care that much about meringue. It's okay. Um Mm -hmm. it's typically on lemon meringue pie and lemon desserts aren't my favorite. You know, they're okay. But um I was pretty intrigued by these, like the whole thing the whole thing. The the structure of it is the Yeah, yeah, and it just looks so unique and interesting, and I bet it's kinda crunchy and chewy and I totally wanted yeah. to try it, yeah,
1: I would totally try it. i I'm not a, I love key lime pie uh and and but I mean, I usually, if I ever have one, I do kind of cut the meringue in half. I don't normally like the the really thick meringue, so i I was intrigued. I would still definitely try it they made it sound like it was kind of crunchy or chewy on the outside and more of a, like a marshmallowy texture right is that what it's supposed to be kind of mm-hmm. like um uh, firm and marshmallowy on the inside uh so yeah. i i mean i'm intrigued but it did seem like a lot of meringue but yeah it was it was intriguing um so for this episode i know we were talking about uh the signature the pavlova uh, we talked about the what the technical was a sticky toffee pudding and the showstopper was jaconde i'm not pronouncing this right i don't think in in, in premier dessert i i know i'm mm-hmm terrible at pronouncing that did you guys have a favorite bake for this episode out of out of all of those in particular
6: um you know i don't like what what is it called Lim- key lime pie mm-hmm. that's not usually my favorite it, like the citrusy ones i've said probably too many times I like them, but they're not my favorites. You know, I like the chocolates and mm-hmm. more of those kind of flip flavors, coffee. But that, Christel's Kiwi Lime Pavlova looked so good. Yes. It looked beautiful and tasty, and I wanted a bite. Coconut streusel, lime curd, fresh kiwis, yummy. And Paul said the pavlo- the meringue was too thick uh, and I do think the meringue on um, Chig's looked perfect, and the way Prue described it as this elegant swoop or whatever she said. But um, I wouldn't mind trying one that was a bit too thick just to start off, you know, really bite into it. Yeah. <laughs> so that one looked really <laughs> delicious to me.
1: Right. What about you, Peg? Yeah,
2: that's yeah. That would be my favorite as far as like flavors that I just really, are, I'm attracted to, and I'm like, oh yeah, that would be great. Is I. Like you and, and Paul Hollywood apparently. <laughs> yeah. Key Lime is my favorite. I love Key Lime. Uh so see I was like, hey, something very in common with Paul Hollywood. I am <laughs> obsessed with that. But um but I think just visually and like what was put into it, I think my favorite which he did end up uh or, you mean, oh, never mind but he, he had some good like uh, comments on it, but it was Jurgen's uh the Jacan imprime or whatever, the the musical mm-hmm. imprime with he actually had, like, he made sure to get the notes right. like he And had then, then song. he sang it. Yeah. Song, this tune, he was humming mm-hmm. and singing. It was beautiful. On that, I thought, that one was probably my favorite just for what it was. It probably wouldn't have been the best tasting to me, even though I probably would have loved, I mean, anything that these people make. Even Maggie with her, like, very traditional kind of boring as far as the way this show is, I would eat yeah. all of hers in an instant with no complaint either. Like, that's,
6: that Jürgen's <laughs> actually is more my taste. It's Chocolate, matzah, cinnamon, dates, cardamom, a layer of charo mm-hmm. set paste, which I looked up. It's a sweet, dark colored paste made of fruit and nuts, eaten at Passover. So, yeah, I think that was more like up my alley. Uh, but the, yeah. but Christels just looked like so great that I was I would have had of mm-hmm. a hard time. If I, they're like, you can only have a bite of one of those. I'd be like, I don't know.
1: Oh right? yeah, I, I, how would you even choose just one? Yeah, well, I'm I'm with you guys. I I do enjoy a lot of citrusy flavors. I I love lemon. Um, I love lime, and I am a big fan of key lime pie. And when Christelle had said she was making um, a, a key a, like a lime pie. Uh, version of that pavlova. I was like, "Pot Hollywood, he's going to love it. You you've nailed, and and she didn't even realize it, but I, you know, I was like, "Well, you that's if you do it well, he's going to be really impressed with that." She should so, know.
6: She's watched should the should know.
1: Um if you paid attention, yes, he has mentioned it in the past. But yeah, I think that's the one that I I think I would enjoy the most, but there were some beautiful ones. Like I really loved Freya's um look uh, of the pavlova. I I know she keeps going for these vegan options and and I don't know that I would yeah. love all of that. I mean, I know she tries really hard to make something vegan without knowing it's vegan. <laughs> like, she's like, I want you to have something without <laughs> knowing that it's it's a, a vegan option. So I'd be willing to try it, but I'm, you know, not... But she does a, a, a damn good job. Like, that, um, her the, piping technique. The piping looked awesome. Oh, my Pink gosh. Pink
6: and purple. It was uh, beautiful. it was. Just
1: absolutely beautiful. She's definitely yeah, super talented. Cool.
6: Um, but her vegan stuff kind of didn't work so well this week because yeah. mostly it wasn't holding yeah. up. Yeah. It needed more structure and their substitutes were too weak or you know not structurally sound
1: yeah it's a bummer she's mm-hmm. trying yep. really hard and i think she's really talented and i applaud her efforts you know that she is trying really hard i know she doesn't have a choice like with the technical you're given the ingredients that you're given and everyone has to use the same exact ingredients yeah. but you know with the with the signatures it's and like she has stoppers. one hand
6: tied behind her back <laughs> yeah with all the other ones
1: but I, I applaud her efforts that she's like you know i i know that this isn't going to hold up well i know that there's a chance this is a weaker structure than like a traditional meringue or that this isn't what you would normally use and it's not maybe going to do its best but i'm determined to try and make it work you know sticking to her you know um traditions and her her values of you know going vegan um so i applaud those efforts even though it's it's i'm not vegan myself i applaud her for kind of going her own way so yeah Yeah, and this episode was the
2: first one where it really didn't pay off for her she's been writing it really well so far This was the first one where I was like, ah, yeah. It, it That's like I'm it. Saying,
6: she's got one hand tied behind her back, and yet she's still not only ho- holding her own, but doing better than most of them most of the time. Which makes me wonder, oh, what if she just did normal flavors? I bet she'd be killing it, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, this mm-hmm. is the first time where it really felt like ah, oh, it didn't serve her so well.
1: Do you think that this is going to be, despite how talented she is, if she continues? You know, I don't
6: going, think she's gonna win.
1: You don't think she's gonna win.
6: I think she could win if she used normal uh, butters and all that, you know, creams and stuff. But because of the vegan stuff, I don't. I ultimately don't think she will win.
1: Do you think she'll change from staying? Alt, no, like I
6: vegan? hope not. Because I, I also applaud her. I wouldn't want to see her compromise her values. Yeah, yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, cuz they've been, yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same but I don't, I think something will eventually catch her up where she cannot accomplish it because of that. She won't. Yeah, if she but if she sticks with it, yeah. that's awesome. Like I think that that's almost I mean money-wise and everything. Not I mean they don't even really win money
6: mm-hmm. I mean, she uh, uh, what uh, what a few people so over more, the years so, have done is they've made a name for themselves like open bakeries or and yeah. she, she could totally open a vegan bakery and be super successful, I bet.
2: Yeah. yeah that's not thinking is even if she doesn't win the show, it's going to get her what she needs notoriety wise. And she's going to make a name for herself of being the person who stuck with it and did everything she mm-hmm. could, a vegan option. And if she owns her own bakery somewhere, then it's like, Hey, that's the person who was on bake off and found a way to make everything vegan. Yeah, and, really and that's good. a niche so, that
6: yeah. be, vegans want stuff. That's really good. Like mm-hmm. the, to be able to enjoy stuff just like everyone else without having to, uh, compromise their values. Yep.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. She is super talented, though, and I hope she. Mm-hmm. At least I don't know. We'll see how far she gets. We're getting close to uh, the middle,
2: and she rocks with the five-second rules. So. <laughs> and right. every prediction
6: I've ever made, <laughs> every prediction I've made is wrong. So clearly, she will be the winner.
1: Well, there you have it. There you have it, folks. You heard it here first. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, she, I, I, I loved her a little more um, because she does respect the five-second rule. So.
6: I think I missed that. She dropped something. Yeah, she did. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Right on the floor. She kind of just dropped it. And then she's like, it was a,
2: I forget. I don't know what they call them. It was a weird. Was it the two t- the little, like, rice, with the tuil yeah, or whatever
6: that they put with yep. the sticky toffee Uh-oh. puddings. Yeah, okay. Is she dropped those? Oh, that's she right. She she like brushes it off. They won't know. Yeah, but she was just like, yeah, they won't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's on camera. They're gonna see it now.
1: <laughs> they know now. Yep. I was like, hmm, that might happen in my own kitchen.
6: And, and I don't like to think, yeah, how often that happens in restaurants and stuff. It's just okay. don't think about it. I'm sorry I even mentioned it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we don't really want to think about what happens in restaurants. Mm-hmm. If you've read any of like, um, uh, oh shoot, um, Anthony Bourdain's. <laughs> but what happens in restaurants. We don't want to know. Um, all right. Nah. Um, okay, so how about standout moments in this episode? Was there anything in particular? Um, if you have one, if you have more than one, Jason, if you want to start, do you have a standout moment that um, you appreciated in this episode?
6: Uh, let's see. Um, I liked when that one that we mentioned from Jurgen that had the musical notes on it. And Paul tasted a bite and said, I'm not getting the pepper and Jurgen says, It comes a bit later and so Paul being a smart ass goes, All right, let's just wait and like puts his hand on his hip and then he goes, Maybe you'd like to sing and Jurgen sings the notes on the cake. And then Paul afterwards goes, I got the pepper <laughs> and they both <laughs> laughed and I I think he was being sincere. It was it was actually kind of a cool yeah. moment, but it was funny too.
1: Yeah. Good one. That was a really great one. That's great. Paik, how about you?
2: <laughs> oh man. Uh I've got a lot of like little notes. Um but I think with the the toffee puddings, I love a sticky toffee mm. pudding as well. I've never had one like super like fresh, or whatever. I've had like the like ones that you can like take home and microwave mm-hmm. it yourself, right? Kind of like the real like. Yum. So, but even those are cool because you know you just kind of microwave the little cup and then you turn it over and then when you flip it up, the sauce just pours oh, out over the top yes. of it. And so, like with that, I was like, yeah. So the sauce is like a really important part, and like Lizzie and Christelle were both on that. But like I liked Lizzie putting the sauce into the cup at first, and she was like, "This is the most important part." I was like because then when you flip it, that sauce has got to pour over the top. And I was like, yes, she knows because a lot of people are just throwing the stuff in there, and I was like, nope, Lizzie took care. To put the sauce in the bottom, so it would be on top when exactly. you
1: flip it. Yeah, she she did really well on that. Uh, well, one, well, this is a standout moment. It's not a, an an awesomely um, good standout moment, but one thing that I noticed that I just thought was just I knew was going to be trouble was when Maggie was talking about you know her traditional ways and her pavlova and she's like oh well you know there's no need to enhance things and the camera just stops and goes to paul and he's just glaring (laughs) he's kind of like uh right he's just like good luck and i was like oh shit Mm -hmm. this is not that's not good that's i mean you just know you get that glare from paul and he's just like he's watching you and he's expecting more from you and you're not bringing it we've talked about it so many times when we've talked about ba- bake off that you have to i mean it's a competition you have to bring more to the table um so <coughs> that was a moment that i just thought oh boy and it stood out to me
2: <laughs> there were yeah cuz i remember we talked about it yeah, last week where i was every like week were, with her. if she keeps doing that it's going to it's she's not going to make it and then when she first challenged this week was like I'm just going to stick to the traditional version. And I'm not, I was like, she's gone yeah. this week. Like you I did. called it first yep. challenge. Cause like, it was
6: pretty clear. She it was going to be, it was the least out. surprising probably of any episode mm-hmm. ever. And, and, but it was yeah. funny or kind of funny with her because it was the meringue. I'm, I'm making quite a simple meringue, nothing fancy at all. Uh, And the music they played was like, you just came upon a murder scene. (laughs) And then when she forgot the flower, it was the same. Like they were playing this dark music with her. And I think even though we already would have been like, oh, Maggie, the music made it more like oh she's fucked mm-hmm. <laughs> you know this yeah. is horrible and she's like smiling but they're still playing the no 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 Maggie music
1: <laughs> yes very ominous Yeah, <laughs> I know they're yeah, really yeah. good about the music on this show setting the tone for sure yeah, yeah. it was unfortunate um, yeah
2: that that flower oh uh, did her in. I did like during the showstopper though it's a good thing that she's such a mm-hmm. like, good sport because Paul was just giving her the hardest I time love circling the flower yeah. on the next one like well, now remember this has to it, go he in go,
6: with the um, technical or maybe it was a showstopper too he, he gave her a, a bottle of flour just to let you know this is flour. and she goes oh really what do you do with that you know you put it in sponges it gives its body and proves like you're a bit late with that advice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty funny. Yeah. But she, yeah, she was a good sport about it, which was cool. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I liked that she said it was a great experience, and then she said, "You know, second only to giving giving birth, basically, you know, bringing a child into the world, you can't quite top that. But this is comes close, or you know, it's a second, which I liked from her because." sometimes I feel like she just wants to say the nice thing all the time. And that, that still was nice, but she didn't say this is the best experience of my life. So that added a little bit for me of sincerity because sometimes she just, to me comes across as, I'm just going to say whatever I can to try to ease the tension here.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, Any other standout moments for you, Jason? Do you have any, any more?
6: Well that flower one was one. Uh a couple of little ones when Chiggs runs by while they were doing something delicate and Christelle goes, "Chigs, you're shaking the entire ground and Jurgen goes, Don't wobble this piece of floor. <laughs> 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 or uh when Amanda's uh showstopper it was leaking red goop all over because mm. it broke through the wall and she goes it's inspired by a crime scene i went to <laughs> i love that
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was that was good. awesome <laughs> uh any others
6: when uh noel had his suitcase and matt's like where are you going and he goes well i just get upset when one of the baker's sleeves, So this week I'm going to go instead. And Matt's like, good idea. <laughs> 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 I think that's, oh, and then the only other one I had is when, um, chigs, they had to do the uh, toffee sauce for the sticky pudding. And I think it was chigs wasn't coming out or maybe it, it was some sauce of his that wasn't coming out. And they, he yeah. had to pang on the bottom. Like it was a ketchup bottle. I just thought that was kind of funny.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> It was very sticky, sticky sauce. I've had that happen a time or two. Cake?
6: It was like toffee.
1: Yep. <laughs> very sticky toffee. Yep. All
2: uh, right. I just, yeah, run through a couple of notes more about just specific little things that I liked about some of the bakes and bakers. But uh, Lizzie's Pavlova, putting the food coloring into it, because a lot of it, they did stick with a traditional white meringue. And they would, you know, like Freya did, like, some mm-hmm. of the colors with the top, but she like Lizzie made sure to like do like this like kind of purple color yes. for like, the entire thing. Mm-hmm. A I big thought fan that of the was purple. really cool.
6: Fits her personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Chigs getting a Paul Hollywood handshake.
1: Yes. That's, That's always on my huge. List too. <laughs> always yeah. gotta point out Get when a somebody gets for the, that. Uh, Pavlova, yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And I mean, just the the toffee pudding was brutal to everyone. Like I think even the ones who did the best still had more, you know, criticisms than praise on what mm-hmm. they were doing. That was just a brutal challenge.
6: It seems it. like mm-hmm. the technicals like that either they all do fairly well except for maybe one or two or almost no one does, you know. Yeah. It's rare that yeah. it's like evenly split from worst to best where the worst is really bad, the best is great and then they're all like split up, up the scale. It's more like yeah. it was either really hard or it was too easy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
6: And that was a hard one. They had to do all that stop. ninety minutes. Yeah, the, yeah. That's, the pudding, that's the to- the creme anglaise, and those triangle things. Yeah,
1: yeah ninety so. minutes for a sticky sticky toffee yeah. pudding. That's crazy. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, and with the showstoppers,
2: uh, Jürgen again, I talked about how I liked his, but that he was one that had like experience with that exact thing. He said he had made one with a Star Trek theme around the outside mm-hmm. before. And I was like, "Oh, that's that's mm-hmm. really cool." Like, so he was—he got this challenge. And was like, "Oh, I know exactly <laughs> what I'm doing." While everybody else is like, "Oh, oh no!"
1: He just uh, takes everything in stride. So that was good. I, I love Jurgen. He's yep. he's definitely growing on me. He's just so affable. Yeah.
2: And then George and Chigs, I have to give some props to for being the two that went two tier on that showstopper
1: you got to push yourself you got to stand out you got to push yourself and hope it pays off i mean it could completely fail and it could be a disaster (laughs) but that's what you have to do on the show you got to push yourself a little bit and you got to stand out from everyone else so yeah i applaud their effort
6: (laughs) Yeah, that was the one. George had the like layer of peanut that they couldn't break through.
1: Yeah, that was What a is blast. this? <laughs> <laughs> it like
6: but, uh, uh, so I said, <laughs> I was like peanut butter yeah. and chocolate. Yeah. Yes. You might have no, went a yes. little yes. overboard on the peanuts. Well, I quite like peanuts. I
0: was like, well, I like peanuts. <laughs> I <Quite> like peanuts. <laughs> 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 like, well,
1: you know,
6: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
6: it's a
2: good point. <laughs> Can't fault you for that. Yeah.
1: Those are also my favorite moments, too. The um, handshake for chicks. It was just, it was fun to see. Chigs kind of stand out a little bit because he's, he's always mm-hmm. kind of hung in there around the middle. You know, he's, he's he had a, a, a few struggles, but always kind of hung out there in the middle. And this episode really kind of highlighted him. And it was fun to see him kind of really come out on top and kind of see his little bit of his personality. I feel like hadn't really got yeah. to see him that much and who he is. And so it was a, a really good, I think, um, to get to know Chigs a little bit more. And I, I liked seeing how hard he worked and the, his focus this episode was, I I just thought great. I mean, he, he did third in mm-hmm. the technical. Um, he got the handshake for the Pavlova, his black forest, um, showstopper dessert was, you know, d- you know, done really well and highly complimented. And he, and he ended up, I mean, he won star Baker. He, so.
6: yeah, he like, I've seen if many times on the show, someone's in the zone where they're able to focus mm-hmm. and put in the work but they are also like he was responding to Matt's jokes when Matt said you oh you got the handshake you're gonna get a tattoo and uh you should or you should get a tattoo and he's like where should I put it you know <laughs> and he so he seemed like um having fun and at ease but also focused and that's the place where you want to try to be when you're doing anything like this you know not too anxious over it but still focused
1: yeah I also noticed a moment, um, just not so much with the with the bakers, but with Noel. J- Jason, you mentioned I don't know if it was last week's episode or the one before that, where you mentioned that you felt that maybe Noel could. Like, you were getting vibes that he may not be around for much longer. Now he's making jokes about being on a baking show. I know! And now I'm like, this is all I'm looking for now, (laughs) since you've mentioned that, as I'm sitting here just kind of, like, really hyper-focused on on Noel. And then in this episode, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing so great. I'm on this baking show. And and I know he he jokes and he pranks and, and he's a comedian, and so it could just be... You know, a little bit of a shtick there, but I was—I just started to sweat it out. I'm like, oh my god, he's—he's unhappy. He's dissatisfied. He's going to leave. And
6: I don't know. I I don't know. It could just be a joke. Who knows?
1: I don't know. Maybe. But anyway, it's all I can think about now when I think of Noel. But um, (laughs) he still makes me laugh, and definitely miss him if he was gone. Um, Well, what about? uh, Have your favorite bakers or standout bakers since we've been talking about this season? Have they changed? Do you have any new? Favorite bakers? This time I do. Yeah? Okay, let's hear it.
6: I'd say this episode, Close to God, is Chig's... <laughs>
0: Ru- wait, devil's running. minion is <laughs> M- maggie oh, I guess.
4: <laughs> oh sorry that's okay. sorry
0: that's
2: the earlier
4: <laughs>
6: oh, segment yeah i yeah. <laughs> uh, missed miss it <laughs> and for all the reasons you mentioned that we've talked about with Chigs, he had a great day we got to see more of his personality and and it was good to see him winning he's humble and he was surprised he seemed surprised to get the handshake and to win and mm-hmm. that was a very um you know Uh, what do you call it? When someone does something that you like and you feel better about it, them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Amenable. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. I liked him a lot in this episode and he called his mom at the end and she was proud of him. Just, yeah. Good vibes all the way around with, with that guy.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. What about you, Pake? Are are you kind of sticking with some of your same folks? You got any new ones you want to add to your list?
2: I kind of bounce around a little bit. Just depends on the episode. I think, the, like, most improved or honorable mention for sure, I'm, Chiggs, was very impressive. He earned that win. Yeah. Very much so. But I think the one that I enjoyed the most for, I think we talked about her a little bit here and there, but Christelle, which I know she's kind yeah. of been a favorite for you I guys throughout a lot of the earlier episodes. But yeah, she was also, even though she didn't win necessarily the week, she was very on that role as well. Everything she, do- she did, she knew what she was doing and mm-hmm. she pulled it off perfectly. And, yeah, she was, she was fun. And she's also kind of the one that brought up, she's like, oh, the sauce is the most important part of the sticky toffee pudding. I'm she's like, yep, always yep, highly she
1: complimented. This, this episode, she she mm-hmm. did well. Um, she was kind of middle high of the road amongst all, all the bakers. Who, yeah. her, her kiwi pie, her kiwi, pie, kiwi lime pie, <laughs> uh, Pam Lova, that she called yeah. it, I know did really well. It was highly complimented. She got Oh, fit. that
6: was another moment. That her Aunt Pam won't give her the recipe. I was like, come on,
1: it's bake-off. <laughs> she's going to take that to right. her grave.
6: I know. Yep, yeah. Right? It's yep. her claim to fame.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
6: <laughs> if this won't do it, nothing will. She's never given it up.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like she's.
6: Either that or she just doesn't like Christelle.
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe Christelle likes Aunt Pam more than Aunt Pam likes Christelle. I don't know because she was not um, giving up that recipe. Yeah, that was funny. But yeah, she she's still highly complimented. She got fifth in the technical, which considering how everyone else did was you know i I think you know pretty pretty good so she's still hanging in there she's still definitely Mm -hmm. one of my favorites i just i I like her personality you know i just i don't know something about her vibe just totally i don't know i'm just i'm just loving her energy and i feel like i could totally vibe with her so i really enjoy her i think freya's super sweet i think she's uber talented um and i of course yeah like i mentioned you're again and talked about giuseppe last week they're some of my favorites for sure and it was sad to see maggie go i i I thought maggie was just kind of fun to have around but yeah i started to kind of see the writing on the wall last week she probably wasn't going to do very well and yep it was unfortunate um but somebody's got to go
6: somebody's got to go
1: okay any anything else any other thoughts about this week's episode
6: i mean (sighs) maggie forgot the flower and i I can't help but be like come on like a little annoyed like you can't forget the mm. flower. <laughs> oh, <flip> the page, <laughs> you know, I, man.
1: Let it be a lesson. Flip that page. Yeah, over. I,
6: oh, that's true. It was like the one li- one line on the second page. It's very right? unfortunate. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I shouldn't be so harsh.
2: Yeah. Well. I, I had to learn that lesson, me and some friends, in an escape room this past weekend learn oh, flip the, the page room. over. Uh, <laughs> that
0: was it. We
1: flipped, we flipped the page. However, we thought too hard about what were on those pages, and that's what stumped us up, my, our group up, was <laughs> we analyzed a little too yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Sometimes
6: it's just flower.
1: Yeah, it was just flowers. <laughs> All right. Well, um, next week we'll cover episode 5 from collection 9 which is German week and I got a feeling maybe Jurgen might be a standout. I don't know, maybe that's yeah. maybe that's expecting too much, but I'm I'm wondering, you know, if that's going to be pressure's like pressure's going to be on. Yeah, like, like Giuseppe with with bread week, you know, an Italian and bread, mm-hmm. how can you go wrong? And he did, he won and he he stood out. Wonder if this will be, you know, Jurgen's um, star moment here. He's already won Star Baker twice, so we'll see how he does. Yeah.
2: Either that or Jurgen's going to just be mad the whole time like this isn't traditionally <laughs> German. What are you doing? <laughs> this does <laughs> Why would you have us do this? This has nothing to right. do with our culture. <laughs> All
1: right. Any updates um, that you want to give Jason on anything happening at Podcastica? What 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 you've got going on right now on your shows? <laughs>
6: Uh, Fear the Walking Dead season seven episode one came out. It was very bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a shocker.
6: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I yeah, we thought about watching that. I'm excited <laughs> to get into Lock and Key on Strange Indeed. Once you guys are done with Midnight Mass, I'm rewatching season one in preparation, and it's getting me really excited for it.
1: Excellent. Yep, that comes out this week on Netflix. So yeah, that'll be exciting. Yeah. All right. On your marks.
6: Get set. Bake! Don't forget the (laughs) flower.